All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is James Payne. I'm Dalton Gray, and uh, Mo is uh, predisposed at the moment. <laughs> he had to leave, so uh, we're doing a long, long day here. But we do uh, have the pleasure of sitting down with a uh, fellow long-haired Army veteran, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell Step, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you cutting out some time. Um, so you, uh, you've been up here for a little while now, and you do some guiding, some did a little bit of hunting guiding from the sounds of it, did some some ice fishing guiding and whatnot. So um, I'm excited to talk to you about all of that. Um, and uh, we haven't really had a dedicated fishing guy on the show yet. You know, so and this this is actually that's a huge thing because yeah. if you you know the intro to the show is like you know the Northern Hunter podcast all things hunting fishing and outdoors in alaska and to date <laughs> it's all been hunting. it's all been hunting we <laughs> haven't done any fishing I've, stuff i've noticed that from, <laughs> from what i've heard on here i'm like man they, they gotta get a fishing guy on here yeah yeah so <laughs> it's me it's yeah. gonna be me so, i'm great i'm happy i'm uh, ecstatic to be here like that one. somebody had to do it yeah. <laughs> i'm the chosen one <laughs> but yeah, so we're happy to have you on. We're excited to talk some some fishing. We'll probably end up throwing some hunting in there too, um, yeah, just because that's sure. what we do. But yeah, um, guys, if you are uh, enjoying what you hear and listening to the show, uh, make sure you are subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Uh, you could give us a written review; that's awesome, and a star rating five is always the best. That all helps yeah. get us in front of more more eyes, more audience, and uh, helps the show grow. If you'd like to support what we're doing on a more financial level, we have the shop. If you go to the uh, the website at thenorthernhunter.com, we've got the shop page there with some hats, hoodies, t-shirts, and um, we got the partners page with companies that have decided to support what we're doing. They've got discount codes for you guys. So uh, all of them are hunting-related companies. So you can go use the discount code, helps them and helps us, and you'll get some really cool gear at the same time. So we appreciate everybody that supports us. And uh, as always, if you have any questions about what we talk about in this show or just a question in general for the future, uh, we got the contact button there on the website, or you can hit us up at either one of our socials. We usually reply, but yeah. We're all work full time, so <laughs> sometimes not so much. But, it's been fun to get a couple of emails in the last week of success stories and people. Oh yeah, talking about how they were successful after listening to the podcast. And well, I I did this hunt and I took your guys' advice and things went well. So that's always, yeah, kind of reaffirming that we're not just wasting 
<laughs> wasting airtime here. There you go. <laughs> well, this. and you know, maybe after this one, we'll get some success stories about people going out ice fishing. Yeah. Thanks to yeah. Maxwell yeah. here. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Dalton, you said you had a pretty cool uh, story, or not cool story, but uh, interesting story to get into before we... Yeah, the, this one kind of ties into the whole ice fishing theme. I, I've not done a whole lot of ice fishing. As a matter of fact, very little, um, as little as possible to the, to this point. I, I'm I'm interested in getting into it more, but I just haven't gotten into it all that much. But I do play hockey a lot. Mm. Well, uh, okay. When I can, not necessarily a lot. So I've been on the ice a fair bit, but not with water underneath of it. Um, But this guy here, Anchorage Ice Skaters Mishap, shows the best rescue might be one you can do yourself. So he was ice skating with a lot of water underneath of him. This article is on the Anchorage Daily News, and this was published on October 25th of this season, so a couple months ago. The article says, drenched and dripping from head to toe on the shore of Westchester Lagoon, Clint Hellander said he wasn't expecting to fall through the ice, but he was ready just in case. Hellander broke through as he ice skated with two friends on a thinly frozen portion of the lagoon Tuesday afternoon in Anchorage. Conditions are a far cry from the midwinter norm, which can draw hundreds to a hot mopped surface of thick ice there. Mm. Much of the lagoon remains open water this week. Hellander says, for the last couple of years, we've been actually testing the thinness of the ice, and we've been trying to just get the early season record for skating out there. I believe that happened yesterday. Somebody else beat us. Hellander, age 38, said he has several years of experience skating on the wild ice of lakes and waterways. He understood conditions were marginal, he said. This was about as thin as I would ever go on. The skaters triggered otherworldly echoes as the ice surface was stressed by their strides. As he passed a section of the lagoon where the small island and the shoreline uh, come together along West 15th Avenue, the ice gave way, immediately submerging him. An Anchorage Daily News journalist who was at the lagoon for another reason witnessed the mishap. In all my years of ice skating, wild ice skating, or whatever, I've never fallen in, Hellander said. Hellander said the instance put into practice when he had learned about self-rescue. For a few seconds, that meant trying to remain calm and focused. Other adventure mishaps have taught him that not panicking is very important. He also carried two small picks in order to be able to pull himself out. Without the picks, sometimes called ice claws, Hellander or any skater would have had a hard time finding something to grip on the smooth and slippery surface. He goes on to say, basically, if you fall, you can stab them into the ice and in theory, climb your way back out. Uh, He said his feet touched the bottom of the lagoon as he clambered, but the task was still a challenge. His picks broke off chunks of ice several times before he reached a spot thick enough to support his weight. When he reached it, he kicked his feet back in order to slide across the surface ice, literally like a seal, rather than try to lift himself upward. He goes on to say, I've practiced that before with a dry suit. So he's Hmm. tried this before. That's, That's a good thing. Uh, Hellander, who owns a roof cleaning company and is a nursing student, said he's also an experienced alpine climber and backcountry skier with high tolerance for risk. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose so. (laughs) It certainly is wise to be careful, and I would never recommend people take the risks that I have, he said. At least one passerby who watched the situation remained unimpressed. Stupidest thing I've ever seen, a man said to (laughs) Hellander afterward. (laughs) 
Steve Rafuse, Anchorage Park Superintendent, <laughs> said the city doesn't maintain ice at Westchester Lagoon until it's 16 inches thick. At the same time, I don't think we necessarily have the power to stop folks from going out and getting on any body of water that might be frozen right now, Rafuse said. I'm not sure how you pronounce that name. R-A-F-U-S-E. Refuse, refuse. <laughs> I, 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 Close I, enough. Yeah. I refuse to understand. <laughs> uh, that was a bad one. It's up to people to, to use and exercise good judgment, he said. Wild ice skating with Nordic skates has grown in popularity in recent years in Alaska. As temperatures drop this month in South Central, images from backcountry skating locations have populated many social media feeds. Guidelines published by many organizations, including NOAA, U.S. Forest Service, and others, advise that a person on foot needs to be at least on four inches of ice. Hmm. So, yeah. very interesting. I mean, that, that aligns pretty, pretty much with what I've always yeah. been told about the ice and everything like that. But it brings up a, a good point. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure different people have different tolerances for risk, like he said. But for me... I've done a, a fair bit of ice fishing. I'm not like an ice fisherman by any stretch, but I've lived yeah. here since 09 and I've gotten out over, over the years. Um, and typically, I mean, man, I got to say, I wait a long time. To yeah. Get on the ice. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like cautious. a Thanksgiving kind of guy. It's <laughs> like, smart. It's smart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Better to be uh, smart than brave. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's my kind of always been my thing. It's like, yeah, I'm not that itching to go ice fishing yet. Right. You know, right. it's not that cold. It's, I haven't been. Yeah stuck inside for that well, long especially yet, this winter it stayed warm oh, for so long this is the yeah. first i don't did we even hit the negatives in november i don't think we did uh I, if we did it was negative one yeah possibly like out in north pole like on the badger yeah, slough or something like that but like today yeah. is the first day of real cold we've yeah, gotten all year it's about yet. negative 25 out right yeah, now it, yeah. yeah my laptop says 24 below right now yeah. and it's and it's been that since i got here this morning right so. right but you know, and, and I know people go out earlier than that. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I guess in your experience, Maxwell, I mean, what what's your like? <laughs> as soon as it gets below thirty, like, are you like? I always I always say, uh, you know, the ice may be thin, but not as thin as my patience. <laughs> right. um, so are you like a three quarters of an inch kind of guy? Oh, or? at least two. You know? Yeah. I I will say, uh, being from Illinois, um, we don't get. Uh, a lot of a lot of ice there you know we're lucky to see a foot in some areas but uh, mm -hmm. one of my one of my best stories i've ever had a just dragging a little sled and a bucket and a rod and uh, a hand auger on one of the local the local chain of lakes there we had and um sitting on about you know three and a half inches of ice and if you've ever been out there in that thin of ice you'd know if you run across the ice yeah uh waves start to form uh, right yeah. you start uh, pushing away displacing water enough to where uh the ice around you will start kind of cavitating maybe not mm. so much crack but but kind of be malleable enough to uh kind of produce waves across you yeah no um, thanks no well thanks. I'm, I'm sitting there on my butt <laughs> and uh i hear this little i'm like yo what the heck is that i turn around uh here's a man on a four-wheeler oh no coming across the lake oh, making no. making a beeline straight for me and this is one of my core memories as a child <laughs> um sitting there on my bucket i'm like this guy's coming right for me uh you could see the 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 weight coming off i this guy was pushing two to two to four footers oh, across oh, his man. back and he's beeline it straight for me i get up off my bucket i start waving my hands up in the air no no go away 
go away, go away. <laughs> and something that he said that will stick with me for the rest of my life, uh, right, you know, maybe a hundred yards away, you know, he turns off and he goes, what's the matter? Two inches can hold a man. Four can hold a team of horses. <laughs> 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 That's it? And I was, I stood there. I probably was white as snow. I was white as snow. I could feel, I could just feel the taste of my tongue and feel to my fingertips. Like, right. oh my God, that guy's crazy. <laughs> that guy's I'm like, sure that, that laugh haunted your dreams. And I, I still hear it. I still hear it to this day. Oh but, uh, man. But then it got me thinking, man, two inches is enough to hold a man. Right. So yeah, <laughs> so that, that's, uh, that's about, uh, if I can find two inches, you know, less than 10 feet away from the shore and it's yeah. deep enough to hold fish. I'll fish it. Like, <laughs> I'll fish it. Do you do you use one of those like those spike poles yeah, at spud, all? Like, uh, just, spud bar. Yeah, spud bar. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I yep. think the earliest I've been up here. Uh, gosh, I think I got pictures on my phone from October sixteenth. Wow. Uh, fishing on like Whoa. two and two and three quarters of an inch, maybe three inches. You wow. Know, spudding out, you know, five inch hole in the ice and fishing yeah. for the rainbows around town. Oh boy. <laughs> right. Wow. You like ice fishing way yeah. more than I do. I, I see, do. see, so I'm from Kansas. So ice fishing is like not a thing. Yeah. Like I didn't grow up with that concept at all. Um, every once in a while you'd see someone super crazy because we'll get an ice, like you might get a, a small pond that ices over for like three days and you've got three days to get out there and try to do some ice fishing just to say you did it. But I never did that. Um, and so... <laughs> <laughs> when I first got up here to Alaska, I've been up here since 09, and I uh, I was super sketched about going out on ice. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. as and, you should be. And, yeah, 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 you know, and I mean, sure, you can tell me it's two feet thick in some places in the middle of winter, you know, but like, I'm not going to believe you. And uh, at least not back <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> and yeah. so my buddy convinced me, uh, we started using those ice fishing huts out on some of the bigger lakes. Yeah. You know, they got yeah. the, the plywood huts, they got wood stoves in them, really yeah. cool stuff. And yeah. you can run them for two days and then stay overnight, like a like a camping trip kind of thing in the middle of winter. So you can have a fire on the ice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can have a fire in your little hut. Well, the first time I did that, I remember it was the creepiest thing. I was laying in there. I had a little cot set up and I had the fire going and we'd been oh, fishing yeah. all evening. Oh, yeah. And then it gets yeah. dark and it gets cold and it gets late and quiet. And then all of a sudden, all you hear is the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, buddy. I'm sitting there and I'm, I, I just envision like the, that scene in Balto where the ice like flips over. And like, like, it, it was freaking me out, man. I mean, and it's not going to go anywhere, you know, but yeah, it's like yeah. by the time they put those huts out there, it's so yeah. thick already. Yeah, but right, like, right. But like, yeah, that was my, I was super sketched. And then I went out and um, I went out to this bonfire one night on a weekend just with some friends and I didn't know where we were. I was still new to the area. And apparently this bonfire was on a lake mm -hmm. and I, I didn't even catch it. I didn't catch on. I was thinking <laughs> had, about other things at the had time. No idea. Had other, had other priorities I was focusing on, but uh -huh. um, yeah. And then I, I realized somebody told me that and we all have our trucks pulled up around the fire and we're sitting there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah. So after that, I was like, okay, yeah, the ice is pretty strong. We've got yeah. diesels and a bonfire going on top of it and it's not going anywhere. So yeah, <laughs> but, that's yeah. funny. I think yeah. my first ice fishing experience, I was a little kid and we went out to Birch Lake with an old family friend of ours and there was probably five or six of us and my dad pulls up to the lake and keeps on driving and drove out to the ice hut and I was just losing it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I don't think I said anything at the time. I, I, at the most, I might have said, 
is it safe to drive out here? I, I was probably <laughs> right. 10 or 11 years old at the time. And I, I didn't know. I'd never ice fished before. And he's, oh, yeah. And people drive their trucks out here all the time. And he said, look out there. <laughs> like, it seemed like, you know, five, six miles away. It was probably like a half mile out on the lake. <laughs> There's like three or four trucks circled up around a red hut out there. And I just remember thinking like it. Yeah, just like the scene from Balto. Like, mm-hmm. at any, any moment, <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> and yep. We're all just going to be gone. It's going to be shark food or something. <laughs> I, I, uh, I've never been comfortable in the water. Like, mm-hmm. on the water is one thing. Like, if I'm in a boat, mm-hmm. I'm totally fine. You know, I, I'm out in the islands, and, you know, you're operating a boat, and you look at a depth chart, and it's two, three hundred feet deep. And that, yeah, in the back of your mind, you go, man, what is down there? Yeah. Right. Sure hope I never have to see it. Yeah. Right. But but you're on top of it. But when you're on the ice, that's that ice is your barrier from yeah. a certain depth. Your safety net. You know? And that yeah. so yeah, to me, it's always been in the back of my mind. I, I just don't trust it. Right. You know? And and a number of years ago I was out predator calling by myself in the wintertime. It was like December and I'd I'd made a set, I'd finished my set and uh, I was leaving, hadn't called anything in, you know, and I, I walked out to the middle of this little pond to grab my to grab my collar and my decoy, and I walked back the way I'd came out, and I went back to where I was sitting, grabbed my little butt pad, and then I walked back out on my tracks to uh, to where I'd come in through the marsh where, where I knew it was more shallow, and I, I'd been in this spot before, but as I was walking out, I noticed that all my footprints and it was pretty dark, but you know, there there was a moon and the clouds had kind of blown in, and so I was losing visibility, but I looked down. I thought, man, this kind of feels weird. Mm. I looked down and all my footprints were dark. So there was overflow yeah, un- un- under the snowpack there that you can't see just looking out across there. And so immediately, like, in my mind, I just started losing it. I thought, oh, <laughs> I get no. Up this oh, no. <laughs> and I took, I took, like, two more steps and went through. <laughs> oh. I was so mad. Oh. But because I'd been paying attention, I had my little twenty two Magnum in my left hand. And I had my collar and my decoy in my other hand. And I was walking with my arms kind of out at, at an angle, knowing that, yeah, I, I don't know how thick the ice is. Because a, as you know, if there's overflow on top of the ice, then it's anybody's guess how thick it is underneath that. Mm-hmm. Because if there's overflow, then it's either really, really thick ice that just cracked and it seeped up through from a warm spell, or it's really thin ice right there, and there could be a hot spring underneath there that's kind of keeping a soft spot in the ice. Well, uh, another thing with that, with that overflow does is uh, not only that, it puts a layer of water on top of the ice. Um, I've been in different lakes and bodies of water where uh, you'll dr- drill through of four inches of ice, hit a three-inch water gap, and then hit another foot of ice oh, below that. Really? Um, it's it's when you know you get overflow. Yeah. Uh, it overflows. Uh, you get a big heavy snow. Um, it freezes that little layer of of overflow, and the snow on top of it mixes with the water. Uh, that uh, insulates huh. the water, and then that freezes over again on top of it. Ah. So when you sometimes when you hit that overflow, it's like you said, it's anybody's guess yeah. what is underneath of you, wow. right? Like you could fall through and be standing in six inches of water on top of a foot of ice. Right, um, hmm. right. That's not, it's uncommon, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Like that, that stuff's yeah. out there. Yeah. 
that, that well, I think that little pond that I was in is only about twenty feet deep, like if that. So mm-hmm. I, I, and and I was close to the little reeds there, like the little duck type of mm-hmm. um, habitat that that you would see like waterfowl in. And so I, I I had picked that route knowing that that was a shallow end. Yeah. I, so I I didn't have a fear that I was going to like go through and not be able to get back out, but I had a reasonably decent walk to get back to my truck. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it was it was cold. It was like fifteen twenty below zero. So I I went through it because I because I had this in my head because I'd noticed the overflow and I wasn't sure what the deal was. When I went through, I I caught myself with my arms fully extended, and I it was kind of a slow fall through. It wasn't like I just boom and mm-hmm. just go straight to the bottom, because uh, at that point it's really hard to catch yourself in time. You know, you almost have zero time to mm-hmm. react. But I felt it like go soft, and then I went in. It, it happened fast enough that I couldn't jump off of it and dive off to the side. Um, but I went through and kind of up to my knees and something something like that. It, it I I got most of my legs in the water, and I you know j- jumped back out and rolled off to the side and you know now I'm covered in snow and whatever. So I I just kept on walking and stayed in the reeds and walked back the truck and just absolutely drenched. But my bunny boots were filled with water. Mm-hmm. They were just about frozen <laughs> when I got back to the truck. My feet oh. were just freezing. Oh, man. Another friend of mine went through the ice, Predator Colin. Um, he uh, he had been to that pond dozens of times mm-hmm. and done well there, Colin. And one freak day, he he was walking back out the same way he always walks back out. And he went through. And he went through like up to his armpits. Ooh. And it that spot is a deep spot. Like it is straight down, like where the pike eat the dead folks. Like it's, it's a deep spot. And, um, he went through and his, his gun was on his back. So he didn't have really anything to grab onto, like, like to use for a little, um, um, stop to keep Mm -hmm. him from going all the way through. But he caught himself with his elbows and then kind of wrenched himself back up and out, but he was completely drenched. And uh, I, I remember he, uh, he had his rifle hanging up in the shower and he sent me a picture of it and it was just like completely encased in, in inches of ice, just yeah, completely yeah. covered in ice. And like that, that was years ago. And I, I remembered that and I thought, man, you know, it's just better to be safe than right. sorry. And, yep. and predator yep. calling on rivers or ice fishing on rivers is just a whole different can oh, sure. of worms. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. very careful about rivers and that mm-hmm. moving water. You know, that, that's, well, that's do, a whole different <laughs> level of danger. If you break through that, you ain't just staying where you're at. No, like, yeah, no yeah. it'll sweep you under. Yeah, and, you're lucky to grab onto something to keep you there. Right, yeah. yeah. God forbid you're alone, but if somebody sees you, you know, holding onto the edge of the ice, yeah. Yeah. that's that's your only chance. Somebody coming up and grabbing onto your hand and ripping you out of there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a bad deal. So do you, he mentioned having these spikes on him. So do you guys carry anything like that when you're out on, on ice as far as like, a self-rescue method? Uh, I have a float suit. I a have float a, suit? Um, okay. uh, striker ice, uh, full float suit. Um, it, it's been a couple years since I've gone on any ice. <laughs> that was uh, as thin as I was talking about earlier. <laughs> but, uh, as far as like myself or when I like take, you know, my buddies or clients out fishing, mm. um, I keep it, I, I keep it like it, I won't take anybody out fishing until it's safe. And I count yeah. safe as eight inches from, launch to uh where where i'd like to fish at okay um but uh it's it's a that's a great question um if i'm out going out there by myself uh you know five inches and under um 
I don't have, I really should own a pair of those picks as self-rescue, <laughs> but I keep it, I keep it extremely light. Yeah. Um, obviously no machine. Um, I do have a couple big, uh, flip over, uh, shacks. Um, okay, it's a, yep. uh, it's a sled. For those of you who don't know, it's a, a big, you know, otter sled, um, with a couple of seats built in on it and a whole tent system that flips over, mm. uh, the entire, uh, area of which you're going to fish. <laughs> Um, nice. And they're, yeah, it's, it's super easy yeah. to set yeah. up. I mean, you pull up, you take the cover off, you flip everything over, bam, mm-hmm. you're fishing. No worrying have at like popping out all the squares and like a pop-up yeah. tent. I was yeah. like, like um, the fat fish ones. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have those and those are awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but they just well, take longer to set up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I go out on like less than five inches, um, I don't even take an auger. I take a little jet sled, um, a little bucket with some poles in it. Uh, let's see my water, my fish finder and, uh, a spud bar in my hand. Like mm-hmm. that spud bar stays in my hand. And I yeah. actually have about a six foot, uh, leash on the spud bar tied off to me. That's that a good way, idea. God forbid I do right. fall in. What, what's the first thing you do when you fall in the water? Ah, you open up your hands. <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. crap. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've walked in a river and hit a hole and drop my drop my fillet knife or something in my hand. Oh no. And uh but that stays tied off to me at the wrist. Um and I go like I take five steps, bang, 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 bang on the ice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Walk five more steps, bang, bang, bang on the ice. Maybe even every step I take, I'm slamming I'm slamming that as hard as I can right, through the ice. Right. Um and in, in the event that I do fall through. Uh, that would be my my method of self rescue. Right, uh, yeah. big spud bar. You got um, something to span the crack. And kind yeah, of and you, yeah. and the float suit and the right, float suit. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? You carry anything these days? Uh, I know I don't really. Yeah, <laughs> I should, I, but I, I, don't. I, I have not been on. Well, that, so if if I'm ever gonna go out and, and see my my main experience with ice in the wintertime is predator calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the last times that I've been out on rivers to target stuff, mm. I go with a partner Yeah, yeah. and we walk close enough together to be, um, fast enough for imminent rescue, but far enough apart that we're not both going to go through if it right. cracks. Right. Um, and, and that's, that, that adds a lot of security in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've got somebody with me, I know, and, and not just anybody, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to go with my you know, a uh, 14 year old, uh, buddy that I'm trying to teach how to predator call and take him out on a river ice or, or, or even on some, uh, questionable right. lake ice. I'm just not going to do that. There's plenty because, of other places you could do to not yeah, put yourself at risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can go take him out to a field somewhere where there's no water yeah. and uh, have no risk of that. Um, but so if I, if I go out on rivers or lakes that I think might have a chance of having a hot spring feeding into it, mm-hmm. then I go with a partner. That's my thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, I've never carried spikes. I, like you said, I probably should. Uh, it's one of those things that it doesn't really um, cost you anything to do it as far as weight penalty or space. You just hang them around your neck and they're just there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, as I, just my rule of thumb is I've always yeah. got a rifle with me, you know, right. rifle or shotgun, whatever the set requires. And I walk with that thing in my hand. Right. You know, and it's, it's parallel to the ice line. Obviously I'm holding it flat in my hand. And if I go in, then that's, that's my only <laughs> shot. That's, yeah. that's my only chance to get out of there. Right. Um, you know, an interesting little uh, piece of information I was given at one point in my life, and I'm actually only going to bring this up to encourage somebody either listening or somebody in the room if you know if this is true or not i have no idea 
but I uh, when I got had first got our dog. He's about seven and a half now. That tells mm. you how long ago this was. Um, it was from a lady in North Pole, and she was. We were going over what should we, you know, should we dock tail, you know, because he's a Great Dane, Great mm. Pyrenees mix. Yeah. And so apparently what? there's people that dock the tails for those. I've mostly seen Danes with their tails intact, but that's, yeah. and, and ours is, you know, so and she, she was a big proponent of not doing anything, you know, leave the dog natural. Yeah. Um, and I remember uh, she was talking about the dew claws. Mm. And apparently, a dog's dew claws, the reason they actually have them is to act kind of like oh, what really? you're describing those ice mm. picks do. is like if they were to fall into ice or need to be crawling out of something, it gives them like a little extra little yeah. claw thing to grab on with. And huh. so she was like, they, she'd never cut off the dew claws on her dogs just in case they needed them at some point. Mm-hmm. The, the risk to reward, I guess, of whether they're going to rip it off running through the woods versus when they'll need it, they have it. Um, she said she just left them. Huh. And I kind of took that at face value. I didn't really do any more research into that. So yeah. um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. But no, I, I hadn't um, heard of that. But yeah. I mean, I, no, I, I've, I've always wondered what in the world that's for. Like, yeah. <laughs> why, why do they well, have an extra one up there? Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it kind of makes sense. So if anybody's listening to this show and, and has the answer to that, feel free to write in. I'm, I'm extremely curious if that's yeah. like accurate or if yeah. it's just like a. Well, and, yeah. and, and I, I suppose, well, do, do all dogs have it? I'm pretty sure. Actually, I, ours has two on one of his hind legs. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. it's, it's a Pyrenees trait, I think, is a double I, I suppose it could be like a climbing thing, too, is if they're on steep stuff because their yeah. feet don't uh, don't bend and, mm-hmm. and contort like our hands and feet can. You know, they yeah. don't have the, the knuckles and the articulation in their joints. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. they're just trying to use their pads, and that's not going to do anything if they're going right. up something steep, so they've got those dew claws. I wonder if that is what that's for. Yeah, because right. I know most people just get them removed because then you don't run the risk of them ripping it off if they jump over a log or something like that you mm-hmm. know huh. um because it, it's like connected to an artery yeah. Yeah. right so they'll bleed out and there's really no way to stop it. oh really yeah. but yeah yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll die from it if they that's, rip their that's claw. exactly yeah. why like most hunters remove those things yeah um, as far as like all the like working huh. dogs uh, i've worked with um, yeah that's like a huge uh box to check if you mm. will in like getting a hunting dog or mm-hmm. uh, working with a dog um I did not know that. Are they neutered? Does the dew claws removed? What does their tail look like? Well, we can thank that famous uh, show host. Have have your pet spayed and neutered. (laughs) What was that? Was that the host of Jeopardy or something like that? Probably. Yeah, (laughs) something like that. Back when it first started becoming an issue. Yeah, he always said that. And remember, have your pet spayed and neutered. (laughs) Now he's gone, and that's his legacy. There, <laughs> there we go. Here we Carry, are. Carried forward, yeah. forward on the Northern Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll actually get into uh, you, Maxwell. All right. All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, Go to stealthyhunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, the Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. 
All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, so you had uh, mentioned earlier you're not from Fairbanks, Alaska. No, that's where, correct. Where are you from? Uh, the Chicago land of uh, Illinois, kind of uh, a northwest suburb. Oh, gotcha. Um, Which gang? Little town. Oh, uh, <laughs> northwest. Um, represent up in here, man. Yarr, yarr. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I couldn't yeah. help myself. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, Chicago area. Yeah, a little suburb called Palatine. Uh, okay. Okay. Any of uh, my friends happen to be listening to this thing, but uh, yeah, go Palatine. So um, so born down there. Yep. Were your folks from down that way too? Yep. Yep. Uh, my dad was raised in the like same same area, Chicago land area. Uh, actually, at a little town called Waukegan, a little rougher town than. Uh, the northwest suburbs, <laughs> a little closer to Chicago, but a uh-huh. lot closer uh, to the water uh, mm. of uh, Lake Michigan. When I say water, okay, mm. um, and that's kind of where he was raised. Uh, you know, fishing for salmon and trout on Lake Michigan. Mm. Um, and then uh, once I came of age, I mean, even even when I was in a as a baby, uh, he had this uh, little basket built on his uh, boat for me that I would <laughs> nice. go out in and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, be able to fish with him out there ever since I was a little tyke, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. So your dad was big into the outdoors then? Yeah, he was uh, probably one of the big outdoorsmen in the Chicagoland area <laughs> um, that, I could, that I could think of. Uh, I mean, nobody, nobody that we met in our circles could really shake a finger to him. Um, uh, you know, big hero mm-hmm. yeah. in, uh, in my eyes, but... Uh, yeah, he traveled, gosh, all across the Midwest to hunt, fish. Um, and once I came of age or I was either out of school, uh, he would take me along those trips. Yeah. Um, nice. We'd go all the way over to uh, Lake Erie, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, fish over there for walleyes, um, all sorts of different things in there. Um, grandfather was a Native American, um, mm-hmm. from, hailed from uh, California and then migrated over to South Dakota. Um, so we would go there every summer to spread his ashes on all the places he would take my dad to go fish. Um, that was kind of like my, our summer, our summer deal. We'd get in the RV and take off over there. But, uh, from there, oh gosh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, the Dakotas, um, Mm. let's see, Iowa, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, anywhere in between those Uh, places, uh, mm. Kansas, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. um, we would bop all around chasing fins or feathers nice yeah oh yeah so not a whole lot into the big game side just mostly like waterfowl or upland bird hunting and then fishing uh yeah we did we did a little bit of deer hunting uh we had a friend who had a piece of property down in southern Illinois. that's where my grandmother lived okay uh, okay. when she was alive um so we would go down there for the holidays you know and that was like the big you know holiday thing to do thanksgiving christmas it'd be we'd be going down there to go a deer hunt um, with either a bow or a shotgun. Yeah. Um, no, no rifle seasons okay. in Illinois. Yeah, um, one of those just those. Weird, I think same in Ohio, right? Weird states. Uh, yeah. Or no, I, you can use straight wall. Straight yeah, wall. Yeah, straight wall. Yeah, straight wall right. or slug for yeah. Ohio. Right. Right. Yeah. I, but, I think some muzzleloader too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The, the southern half of Michigan is that way as well, I believe. Okay. I think it's straight wall below a certain line, and then you can use anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah. why there's that divider. 
population density, I'd bet. Interesting. Yes, yeah. yes. I think yeah. that's 100% so right. I, I've got kind of a tangent question here. I, I, I'm not from that part of the country. I've got family in Ohio. Now, I, we've actually got several listeners that are from Ohio that my grandparents know and that uh, my granddad owns a barbershop down there and, you know, small farmer town barbershop. And so we've got some listeners down that way. But I've always okay. wondered about, uh, about the Great Lakes. Everybody in the Midwest and in kind of that area of, of the country talks about the Great Lakes. Mm. Well, they are great. They're pretty great. They are, pretty <laughs> great. They are great. I've, I've seen them. I've been to a couple of them. I probably couldn't even tell you which ones uh, as, as a kid just going down there to visit family. Um, but my question is ownership. Like certain people from certain parts of the state, like people from Michigan call Lake Michigan their lake. Mm-hmm. Ohio calls. What? Erie, that'd be Erie. Erie, Erie. yeah. Okay, at least so, the southern part of Erie. But there are other folks from other parts of the Midwest that also feel like because they're adjacent to another state that is adjacent to that lake that that, that that's their lake, right? So is is there like a sense of local pride to being able to have direct access to the Great Lakes? Oh, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I had no that's... idea where you're going with the question, but yeah, oh yeah, a hundred percent. Um. The, the Great Lakes, uh, and really all I could talk about mainly is uh, Lake Michigan, uh-huh. um, just because it's a stone's throw for me, you know, 45 minute drive, okay. boom, I'm, I'm right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my lake. That was my, <laughs> <laughs> right. that, that was my lake. Uh, I, heck, I grew up fishing out there. My, like I said, ever since I was a little tyke, my dad had a, a basket for me to sit in. So, mm-hmm. so do all the local um, ponds and smaller lakes just kind of get thrown to the wayside, or is there not much for other local water? No, not not for me. There wasn't. I uh, I fished a lot. Any little body of water I had around um, my neck of the woods area, I fished. Mm-hmm. Um, it did kind of kind of threw them to the wayside because I was exposed to this extreme class of sport fishing. Um, trolling for salmon and trout where we would pull up access of, uh, you know, 30 pound King salmon or oh, really? you know, 25 pound Lake trout. Um, I've got a couple 20 pound Brown trout on the wall. Wow. Um, I've smacked off a 20 pound steelhead with the net. I'm still <laughs> losing sleepover to this day. Um, but, uh, I, it, you know, all those other lakes that kind of held, uh, like bluegills and crappie, mm. um, even like little small populations of catfish. Uh, what about walleye? Uh, there is plenty of lakes in the local area that contain walleye. I'm talking, there's like three lakes just within walking or biking distance of me when I was a kid that I would go I would go play on that I knew that held bass uh-huh. or, um, mm-hmm. or yeah, like crappie, bluegill. Um, I would ride my bike before I got a uh, license. I'd ride yeah. my bike and I'd take my old uh, football water jug to the bait shop yeah. and have <laughs> them put a couple dozen fathead minnows in it, ride it back. Uh, keep it in my basement where it was cool, put an aerator to it <laughs> and then put them in a smaller bottle, you know, by like by a half dozen or so ride out to the, uh, whatever lake I wanted to fish that day. Um, you know, catch bass on live minnows on a bobber and little crappies <laughs> doing it that way too. perch, uh, especially perch. Yeah. Um, but once I got a truck, I was able to kind of go out, uh, we mm. have a place called the chain, the chain O lakes. Okay. Uh, there in the the mid, uh, Midwest um, chain of lakes, the chain of lakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a chain of lakes. Get the apostrophes um, in there. Like, yeah, yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that held a pretty good population of perch and walleye. Um, that we would we would go after. 
So um, how, how, how big is a big walleye? Like in terms of inches in length, inches in, 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 in girth, and then also weight? Um, I would say uh, if, if we're fishing on Lake Erie, mm-hmm. um, where it's like the walleye capital of the world, you, know, you can ask a lot of people that, and that'd be like where you would go to catch a Mondo walleye. Okay. Um, anything pushing like 28 to 30 inches, um, looking at about like six to seven pounds, that's a, that's a tank of a walleye. And how um, big around are they? Are, 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 are oh, they real fat fish? Uh, more, a little more, uh, a little more narrow, mm. if you will. Mm. Um, but man, they fight like dogs and they got really sharp teeth, like a pike. I don't know if you've ever pulled a walleye oh, yeah. out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, they got just the craziest gnarly looking mm. mouth on them and that huh. that beautiful gold plated armor yeah. that they have on yeah. the sides. If you grabbed a walleye, you'd know. Uh, just they're so scaly and huh. you feel like any one of those scales, if it rubbed you the wrong way, it would just, g- yeah, give you a gash. Just open your, your right up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, ah, um, yeah. interesting but we've been out on on lake erie in the in the winter time uh it'd be almost spring for here but um winter time and uh being able to go out and catch these 30 30 walleyes uh through wow, the ice wow. and it just oh yeah we would we used to <laughs> pound them um but lake erie it, it doesn't freeze up every single year um mm. And, you know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those states that doesn't get as cold, obviously, as up here. Mm-hmm. Um, they might see, you know, single digits, um, single digit negatives. Mm. Um, but with that being such a big lake, uh, they get a lot of like north, uh, straight north and straight south winds. Mm. Um, heck, me and my dad were out on one year where we were probably fishing around like a maybe a foot of ice within a half a mile of the shoreline okay um let's call it 30 feet of water um about five or ten miles to our east uh there was a crack that was about a quarter mile long um and at one point we had such a bad south wind it kind of blew the crack open to about a couple feet wide you know and Mm -hmm. and, uh couple miles long at this point wow Wow. people were driving their machines out there and laying plywood across it (laughs) making a designated crossing point to it whoa well they had one day the wind kicked up out of the out of the south uh blowing you know 25 30 miles an hour and it actually broke this four quarter mile block of ice and stranded uh you know, close to 50, 60 people out there with machines, Ooh, really? tents, all their equipment. Uh, people were getting airlifted out of there, not no bringing kidding. any equipment back, leaving it all on the right. ice. They were just there for the people. Wow. My father and I are sitting there in our tent. Now, we're not even on the, the, mm-hmm. the dangerous section of the lake, but my father and I are sitting there in our little tent. We heard, <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, look, it's a helicopter. Wow. Check that out. This helicopter comes and kind of buzzes us, you know, a little bit, kind of gets in our little area of operation. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wow, check him out. Oh, wow, cool. He's giving us a little show. And then, you know, he buzzes off for a few minutes. Uh, a little bit later, here he comes back. And this time he's not giving us a show. He is on top of our, our <laughs> tent. Me and my dad are holding onto the walls of this thing, trying <laughs> to keep it on the ice. You know, whoa, what the heck, man? And takes off again, and my dad's like, what the heck is that guy's problem? (laughs) He comes back and does it again. 
And my dad looks at me like, maybe we should leave, bud. I think he's trying to tell us something, but he doesn't want to land. Yeah. But he's just trying yeah, to tell yeah, us yeah. something. He's afraid to land. When we get back to the um, little boat launch, you know, there's a whole parking lot full of people and people are asking us, how did you get off? How did you get off? I'm like, oh, we we're fishing over by Sand Point. Yeah. Like, no. What do you mean? He's like, what what's going on? What's going on? Like you weren't part of the people that got stranded out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? No. What happened? And it wasn't until when we got back to the launch when we heard about this huge fiasco going wow. on. Wow. All these Could you did you feel anything there. while you were out no, there? No, like, no. And this is this is like miles, miles from away. Us. Yeah, okay. this is yeah. miles from us. And it was just it, it was just, you know, a piece of ice getting blown off gotcha. and just drifting out. Uh wow. blew blew the crack, you know, a quarter mile wide. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. You know, and to to the point of how many little ponds and lakes that there are around there, um, my wife is from the other side of the lake. She's from Michigan side. Um, And uh, so I've spent some time around there. Um, I married a Grand Haven girl for anybody from Michigan listening. Um, And it amazes me. I mean, one, the first time I saw Lake Michigan, that thing is massive. That thing's big. (laughs) And I didn't realize, so I went down there. uh, We had planned a trip to go down and I was going to ask her dad you know, for her hand and all that jazz. And, um, aren't you a gentleman? Oh yeah. Traditionalist, you know, so out of boy. So I, we, uh, I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> so we, uh, we're hanging out on the beaches. It's like early fall for down there. And, uh, there was just something wrong. There was something wrong and I, I couldn't figure out what it was. And what it was is every time I've been next to a body of water that big where I can't see the other side and it just looks, you know, there's sandy beaches. I, there was no salt smell. That's what was wrong. That's right. what my, my, oh, my mind was yeah. Yeah. catching on to something was off. Like something just feels weird yeah. about this because it's like smell that you see ocean, but you don't smell ocean, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like, and it's weird. There's waves like the ocean. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, but there is so many little lakes around too. I mean, the, I mean, it's such a wetland around there, mm-hmm. really. I mean, there's like bayous and stuff like mm-hmm. all over. Lots so, of marshes. So yeah, is there a lot of waterfall in there then? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, one of the things that, I grew up chasing too. Um, mm. My dad had a little waterfowl lease and it was backed up to, you know, we had probably about 20, 30 acres of um, woodland to hunt too for deer that mm. uh, we would frequent um, when the geese kind of went away. But um, we had a really good waterfowl lease, uh, big um, soybean, corn. Um, sometimes they would turn it into like winter wheat. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, with, actually like some flooded timbers behind the the one hill we hunted on and a little pond in front of the hill Mm -hmm. um so not only did like the flooded timbers hold a variety of species like like wood ducks sometimes even like pintails um but the pond would hold you know mallards uh Mm -hmm. gadwalds um kind of any you know other type of waterfowl and then of course the fields where where we shot our canadas at Mm. yeah Canadian's uh, gooses. Yes, Canadian's Canada's, Canada's gooses. Canada's gooses, man. Canada's, <laughs> those are Canada's gooses. <laughs> Canada's gooses are royalty. Canada's pride. <laughs> yeah, they so, taste good. So then, uh, including Canadian geese with all the other waterfowl, what was the best um, waterfowl meat that, that, that you ever had? Um, in, in Illinois. Yeah, in Illinois. In Illinois. Uh, you know, it, it had to be those like fatty mallards we would get yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Um, Even better than Canadians. I would say so. I really? would say so. Um, I, and it's just, everybody's got a preference. Man. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, of course, like I, I know you had somebody else on here uh, not too long ago talking about cranes. Yeah. You know, cranes. Yeah. And now, yeah. now I'm up here and uh, I, I'm able to be fortunate enough to guide for those. And 
back in Illinois, there was no season on cranes. Oh, and really? When yeah, and when we saw a crane it, or cranes, it would be a crane. Do they just not, oh, really? not frequent that area very it, much? Not or? not a yeah. huge. Uh, they're not pa- a huge migratory path yeah, for them, yeah. but you know, there'd be days where we'd be sitting out there and you know, if you've ever waterfowl hunted, you yeah. look to the sky all day long Yeah. And, oh wait, what's this right here? What's this right here? Hey, yeah. right here, right here, right here. Here it comes. Here it comes. Like, man, it's a crane. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now being up here, it took a while for me to be like, oh man, it's a dang crane. Yeah. Oh, it's a crane. <laughs> like, oh yeah, baby. Like we yeah. can shoot those here. Yeah. Um, but th- then, then it was like a nuisance. And my, I remember my dad sitting there in the blind, being, ah, pterodactyl. But yeah, we weren't, we just weren't allowed to hunt them there. And yeah. Um, but now when I go back, I, I kind of look for them a little bit. And of yeah. course uh, I've got this big lanyard of calls and the guys, uh, the guys that I used to hunt with as a kid and I go out with when I do go back home, I look at them and I say, watch this. I bust out that crane call and I get them to turn their heads a little bit and come give us a little look. And they think it's just the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like it, it went from like all oh, these dang nuisance, bird, oh, getting my hopes up thinking it's a goose flying around. Mm, right, right. Um, to now, oh, look, this kid can freaking get him close to us. Isn't yeah. that cool? Yeah. Well, because they, they cross down uh, more westerly. Right, and they're yeah, coming in yeah. more, mostly in like uh, Nebraska yep, and whatnot, great, the Dakotas, and the Great Plains. Yep. Yeah, Great Plains. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember. I mean, I guess I wasn't really looking for them when I was growing up, but yeah. I don't really remember a ton of them down there getting as far south as Kansas. They probably yeah. do, though. I mean, yeah, interesting. It'd be interesting to look into. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. what was your preferred uh, weaponry of choice for waterfowls? Um, I was able. So, when I was a kid, my, I think my first shotgun I ever had was a little Mossberg five hundred. Uh, 20 gauge mm-hmm. and my dad being the guy he was he wanted to set me up for everything so he got the little field combo yeah the the field and uh um oh wh- whatever the field and slug combo that's what it was mm. uh so it came with a bird barrel and a rifled uh slug barrel with okay. the little uh picatinny rail on the yeah. top to put a scope on there you go um so that's what i would be shooting uh waterfowl and deer with uh, ever since, you know, I was probably around 12, my dad got me this uh, Remington 1180, 70, 20-gauge, like my first semi-automatic shotgun I had. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up using that to hunt a lot of dove. We huh. a lot of we had a good dove season, so okay. doves and pigeons and uh, small waterfowl, like so the smaller ducks I'd use in like teal season. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until my dad always, uh, he had a, a Beretta Extrema 12-gauge. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and he had this thing for so long and he's like, you know what, Maxwell, I think it's about time. Like you get something nice. And he goes here, buddy, like you, you can have mine and I'm going to go get a new one. <laughs> and he went out and bought a so, Benelli or something. No, no, he goes out and buys a brand new Beretta, Beretta Extrema, like okay. a 400 mm-hmm. plus, um, you know, the baddest <laughs> freaking shotgun you could ever have. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I, I, uh, uh, the, the choke in my shotgun was completely frozen into uh, never, never really got taught that we're supposed to take them out, lube them up a little bit and put them back in. I didn't even think that there was like, like guys change their chokes out. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, like sometimes we hunt close and sometimes we hunt far. And I'm like, nah, man, like you should be a killer anywhere. <laughs> on, on like, and, and like, you should be able to like shoot at 15 yards and you should be able to hit something at, you know, effectively, you know, 50, 60 yards with something. So you're like a full choke like guy. That. Oh, I'm an extra full choke guy. Yeah. 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 I'll split things in half at 10 yards <laughs> and drop things like a bad habit at 70. So, 
um, <laughs> but that funny. I I got this. Uh, I let's see. I got this. Uh, I got a brand new one. Um, I just looked up the serial number. Uh, I've had it used, or I've had it for eleven years, and I think in those eleven years, I've hunted um, ten waterfowl seasons with it, and uh, four snow goose conservation seasons with mm. it. Um, and for those of you who don't know if uh, I've ever snow goose hunted before, um, usually that's like a springtime uh, conservation hunt. Mm. Um, the snow geese, if you've ever seen a flock of snow geese, they travel by the thousands right, and right. thousands. And when they come through in the springtime, when all the farmers are trying to plant their crops, yeah. they come through and absolutely eviscerate right. um, agricultural lands. Um, huh. And so uh, they, they open up a conservation season with them. So that's the use of electronic calls, um, unplugged shotguns, even extension, we buy extension tubes <laughs> yeah, for our shotguns. Buddy. <laughs> um, my dad had a custom made, uh, it wasn't an AR-12, but it was a custom made uh, shotgun that could take a 25 round drum magazine <laughs> in it. Um, America. And so we would, we would use those electronic wow. calls, uh, spreads that would consist of uh, 5,000 silhouette socks or mm-hmm. full body uh, decoys that we would use. Really? Um, and no limit. No limits. Like wow. you could shoot as many of them as you could drop. So what's so, your best day of that? Um, so- I think one of our best days was probably out in out in South Dakota. You know, you'd pull in at like two in the morning and like completely pitch black, and you got you know four hours of work ahead of you setting up five thousand freaking decoys, man. <laughs> um, man. My goodness. And in a, a day, we'd hunt for you know a day because you put all this work in put all this work into setting them up i'm not gonna (laughs) hunt for 45 minutes and take them down yeah um i think the best i ever had out there was like 127 between (laughs) five guys what you have a bump stuck no you'd care you'd walk out with a case of shells you'd walk out with a case of shells man yeah um i think that was one of our like one of our best days but there's guys who who can shoot way more than that yeah. on, on other days. But uh, some <laughs> wow. days it, it just takes a lot of scouting. You know, you find, you know, and it's not hard to find those things in the spring. Like you drive around, <laughs> right. oh, there's a sea of <laughs> yeah. snow geese out in this field. Follow the shadow as they're yeah. flying. <laughs> you go knock on the farmer's door. Hey, see, so you got a problem in your field out here. We're, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're the problem solvers. <laughs> um, they're, you know, and it's just all, sometimes it just takes a little money or, Hey, I got some deer sausage and some 50 bucks. Like, would you mind you go hunt these places? So it was, it wasn't hard to get access, but from what I hear now, it's a lot harder to get mm. access in the yeah. Midwest for, uh, those, those types of hunts. Mm. Yeah. It's very, interesting. I've heard it's getting, getting that way. So, yeah. Unfortunately, mm. but yeah. So you, uh, so I kind of ruined the uh, the way you got to Alaska. I'm sure with my intro, but <laughs> no, no. Of course. So at, yeah. at what point did you uh, did you decide to join the military? And were you trying to get stationed up here, or was it uh, a lucky lucky guess or you know, lucky? That's, yeah, that's a great that's a great question. <laughs> I answer the question the same way every time. Um, yeah, in high school, I think it was like sophomore, junior high school. You know, when all the modern warfare games came out, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I want to. I want to do that, you know, be, run around and be a grunt. And, um, and then, uh, so yeah, I joined the military, uh, off my uh, senior year of high school. Okay. Um, I actually spent my last summer. So I, I deckhanded on charter boats in, uh, gotcha. on Lake Michigan oh. up until I was, uh, 15, uh, to 18. Okay. Um, nice. 
me and my dad would fish uh, all these tournaments. They had like salmon and trout tournaments on Lake Michigan. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'd come through and just wipe the floor with some of these people. And it wasn't <laughs> until like one day some guy came up to me and was like, hey, buddy, you want to go, you want to work for some money? And I was like, sweet. So I got my learner's permit. I was able to drive. I would drive there like after football games on mm-hmm. Friday night, get there at like two in the morning, wake up at 5.30, rig the whole boat up, go out, go out fishing, and then come back and do that for a weekend to make some money on my weekends. But yeah. nice. Um, my last summer... I got to uh, just do that all summer. I worked um, on a variety of different boats between uh, the Waukegan area, uh, Winthrop Harbor in Illinois, and the Kenosha area in Wisconsin. Mm. Um, after that, yeah, I joined the Army, went to basic. Um, and uh, for anybody who's ever been in the military, you know you go through uh, this place called MEPS, uh, Military mm-hmm. Entry Processing Station. Um, and then they sit you down, and then they're like, where do you want to go? <laughs> and you know the only place I've ever heard of was Fort Carson, Colorado, and I thought you know Colorado outdoors, yeah, right, be right up my alley. So of course that was my number one pick. And then I picked uh, like Fort Riley, Kansas, because that was like the next closest place to home. And then I'm sitting there scratching my head on like the third because they give you a third option. Mm. Um, and I think the guy, if I remember correctly, the guy was like, "What about Alaska?" <laughs> And I was like, they got a military base in Alaska? And he's like, yeah. He's like, write Fort Wayne right down. Write Fort Wayne right down. And I was like, okay. You poor guy. I write it down. And, uh, you know, months later, I'm done with basic. Uh, They get you in this little group and they slap up paper on the wall with your name and where you're going, like where you got orders to. And uh, I remember like walking up to my name and looking at like, Fort Wainwright, Alaska. I didn't even know they had a military base in Alaska. <laughs> like, I totally, <laughs> totally forgot. Totally forgot. That's what I signed up for three months prior. That's awesome. Um, so then I, yeah. So then I came up here, um, and yeah, the passion of hunting and fishing just follows you where mm-hmm. you go, yeah. as you know. What month was that that you came up here? Um, it would have been December. Of, oh, yeah. December so you had the same 16th. experience I did, coming yeah. straight from Georgia to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny is, uh, you know, I've did so much stuff in the cold back in Illinois and the Midwest. I already had a pair of bunny boots, mm-hmm. and I told my parents to bring them down to basic for me because I'm like, I'm going to Alaska, man. Yeah. Like, I need some, some nice boots. Um, so I get these things and if, if you're a military guy in Alaska, you'd know, like you see some guy walking around in bunny boots on post. You're like, Oh, what a loser. (laughs) I I immediately show up thinking thinking I'm the man and all these, all these guys are like, dude, what a poser. I'm like, man, you, I'm like, you guys don't even know how awesome these things are. Like you just don't like them because they're heavy and they look weird, but I actually use these things. So, um, so yeah, and then uh so then the the spring came uh I didn't have a I wasn't going to pay the money to get a hunting or fishing license uh or a hunting license yet like cuz it costs, you know, 100 something yeah. bucks. Um but I got a fishing license and uh you know, I didn't have a vehicle yet, so I just kind of fished all like the little local ponds on post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, whatever thing was stocked in there, I'd go cast for and uh Yeah. And then the fall rolled around and we had an NCO who didn't really care for me too much <laughs> and uh i'm just like hey you know sergeant i hear uh i hear you're a duck hunter i hear oh would you take me out duck hunting would you take me out duck hunting i've got i've got the stuff you know i've got my gun i've got i'll, I'll pay whatever I, and I'll, I'll get legal but will you take me duck hunting and he's like no 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 mm-hmm. it's bad to frat, frat, uh, fraternize with the lower enlisted no 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 
I'm like, well, screw you, man. So <laughs> through like the grapevine, um, I kind of found uh, some some of the spots where, oh, well, yeah, he took me duck hunting. I'm like, oh, you this BS, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, you're going to take this dude out hunting, not me, bro. So uh, I just kind of found some places to duck hunt around here. And, uh, and at that point, you know, I got a vehicle. I bought this little 10-foot uh, skiff. And uh, two dozen decoys from this from this guy who doesn't even duck hunt. Um, <laughs> yeah. When I bought these decoys, he had the he had Ziploc bags filled with rocks tied to five fifty cord on these decoys <laughs> as, as weights as, as, as weights for this thing. Like that's a first. That's the first I've ever seen. So I re-rig, re-rig all these decoys, get some new stuff. I got, I got my vehicle. I got some buddies who were into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're able to go out to this body of water and, and start, you know, duck hunting. And, and that's just like what I was all about when I first got up here was duck hunting, yeah. duck hunting, duck hunting. Um, then fall as it does every year, it <laughs> turns mm-hmm. into winter Yeah, and then there's ice. Uh, so then I just started. Once I had a vehicle, I bought uh, an auger, bought a tent, and a uh, little box of, uh, of uh, fishing rods I found on Marketplace from some dude who was PCSing. There you go. Yeah. And, That's the uh, best way to find uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. That yeah. is the greatest part about Marketplace in Fairbanks. Yeah. yeah. Find all the guys PCSing, need to sell, yeah. leaving we, in two we, weeks. We have a tiny town. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I'll say it's a tiny Siz- city. Sizable. It, it's a sizable town or small city. Yeah. With two military bases on either one on either side, you got an army base and an air force base. Yeah, and so there's always people coming and going, yeah. buying gear, with selling turnover gear. of at minimum. Yeah. Well, uh, like two three and, to four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two to four years. Yeah. I should say. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Two to four years between the air force and the army, and so there is always. Always yeah. stuff for sale. Need to sell. <laughs> Motivated yeah. to sell. Yeah. Like, Leaving right. in two weeks. Yeah. Need to get rid of. We'll take <laughs> right. bottom dollar. <laughs> right. All right. You got yourself a 30 out uh, six. I'll, I'll give you 15 yeah. bucks for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've gotten some crazy good deals from Marketplace. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. People man. trying yeah, to get out too. of Dodge and like, all right, well. Thanks for your service. I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> that was a slap of the way out of the state. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you half of my, gosh, almost half of my tents I acquired now have come from dudes leaving who need to get rid of it. And yeah. yeah. Pay yeah. pennies on the dollar for it because they're just like. Well, and, and, and if and if they can't get rid of it, then they, they end up spending way more money than that just to transport it. Or they're just mm-hmm. going to throw it in the dump. You know, you and find you, stuff in the dump yeah, all the yeah. time for free. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's oh, all yeah. kinds of hidden gems around. <laughs> this town transfer site goon man yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i was at the transfer site i'm not going to say which one like three weeks ago and i pulled in there and uh, i i was just getting rid of some garbage and i pulled in looked across the lot there were two other folks at the transfer site one of them was a was a gal uh, in, in like a full park uh, um, um, uh, snowsuit and she was up under like the little covered area where they put like the old grills and dishwashers and washing machines and junk like that. And she was going through some stuff in a box. Then there was a little Subaru, like an early 2000 Subaru packed with junk. Oh yeah. Like the classic dumpster diver vehicle for Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. It's either a nineties Chevy truck with an eight foot bed that's full of junk that's dumpster diving, or it's a Subaru packed to the gills. And this was a Subaru and this, this was a guy. And I think they, I don't think they were together, but, I looked over at the Subaru and the guy stands up out of a dumpster and I hear him across the parking lot. Yes. 
And I kind of pay attention for a second. <laughs> and then he climbs out of the dumpster and he's got a gun in his hand. Uh, oh, he, score! <laughs> score! <laughs> it's hot, but okay. <laughs> he, he found a rifle. And so I pulled around to try to get a look at him as I made my U-turn to get out of there. And the lady pulled up a gun out of the box. Somebody, oh, somebody was dumping some stuff. Oh, those have definitely been used to kill somebody. And, and I thought, the, man, should I, should I call the troopers? I, I, ended up, I ended up calling them and I said, hey, no. you know, it doesn't matter really who I am. I got nothing to do with this. <laughs> but uh, I just right. left this transfer site and there's two, there's two folks in there that just, you know. Just uh, found guns. Just yanked out two guns <laughs> within about two minutes Whoa. of each other. You need to go check so, this out. And they're like, all right, well, I'll see if I can send somebody over there. But Yeah, I doubt like, they did. Did. Yeah, but I don't know. The, so for, to clarify this story for anybody that's not from Alaska or spent any time here, um, th- I think it's a uniquely Alaskan experience because <laughs> yeah. it hasn't been anywhere else I've lived, <laughs> yeah, no, is no. transfer stations, yeah. transfer sites. So what that is, is there's not, in majority of the Fairbanks area at least, in, where we live, there's no trash trucks. There's no garbage trucks. There's a few yeah. commercial companies that will do commercial dumpsters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a few neighborhoods where I think like the, yes. the communities come yep. together to yep. get trash trucks to come by and collect yeah. their trash. It's like a little HOA situation. It, right. Yeah. Thing. Like yeah. neighborhood mm-hmm. by neighborhood. But yep. the vast majority of the Fairbanks area does not have like a, a standard truck route for trash trucks. So when you have your garbage, you just pile it out on the front porch or in a little tote or something like that in the yeah. front yard until it's full. And then you throw that in the back of the truck and you yeah. haul it to these sites. I think there's what, seven of them. Somewhere, something oh, like that, yeah, maybe I, more. I, I've never even counted them. But but they're they're scattered around the outsides of Fairbanks, and they're they're literally you you just roll into this gated area. It's this huge paved area, and it's got it's just got dumpsters all the You're way around paved? the outside. Mine's not paved. Oh really? No. Oh yeah, yeah. Ours is paved. Oh. Yeah, get good. Yeah. The uh, that's where the high, so the, that's where you find the high dollar stuff. I know. Right <laughs> that's, that's, where you find that's why stuff. I go to that one. It's on the other side of town for <laughs> that's me. That's where you find the name brand George yes. Foreman Grill. Exactly. Yeah. My grill actually did come from the transfer site. That's funny. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a four burner propane. Really? It, it, it was in great shape, too. Nice. Yeah, I don't know why they dropped it off there. Yeah. But so in addition to the dumpsters being there, they have this canopy at all of them. And there's it's just keeps the snow off of stuff. And anything somebody wants to get rid of that they think somebody else might be able to use, they yeah. put under the canopy. Yeah. Um, that's where I found my grill. My grill and a um, yeah. bunch of other stuff actually but you know then people will put treadmills under there stoves yeah. refrigerators you always anything. find an elliptical yeah <laughs> always an elliptical a resident elliptical at every single transfer site well, and, and if you do all those see pelotons took over that market i know yeah. Yeah. and if you do see a refrigerator there it probably doesn't have a power cord anymore but <laughs> yeah somebody uh, grabbed no copper and no copper wire <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. Yeah. But, but so that's what he's talking about when he says transfer site it's 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 just yeah. a, it's where we all take our trash and then well, recycle at least of two of them that I've been at recently, um, just being at different places, um, there there are junker cars there too. Oh yeah, out, you're out, not out, supposed to do that, but people yeah. still do. Over in the corner, people yeah. just bring a car in there and leave it, and yeah. of course it is stripped. Oh yeah, clean. Yeah. chop shop style. Seats yeah. are sawzalled out of that thing. My, and, my buddy found uh, he went there. This was years ago now, but he went there, and uh, there were two like kid sized dirt bikes there. Oh really? And Ooh. he he grabbed them up and they still worked. It was just somebody that like their kids had grown up and outgrown them or something like that. And so they dropped them off there and he, he had two kids that they fed. Wow. So oh. the dude got his kids dirt bikes from the transfer site for free. Wow. It's, yeah, it's yeah. So yeah, great part fine. about living here. Just, <laughs> just for, just for personal dignity. We don't call them 
the dump. We call them transfer sites. Yes. I used to call it the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call it Saturday morning shopping. There you go. Like, Honey, you want to go to the store? <laughs> it's warm out today. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, never. And it never hurts like while you're, you know, putting your trash out. Just take a look. Yeah, take a spin yeah. around the block, <laughs> yeah. man. Right. Take, go take a look. There's some man. good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we went on this huge loop to get back yeah. to you bought some stuff off marketplace. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's how I came to acquire uh, like the first stuff, and I still have like my little box, like living in the barracks. I lived in a uh, room three hundred one, so uh, it was the the top floor. And num- the first the first room, so top floor, farthest <laughs> from the door. Yep. Um, oh, boy. And there was, there was days where me and my buddies would be going fishing, so uh, I would have an auger, you know, propane auger across <laughs> my back, this bucket, uh, or I'm sorry, this little uh, box with wheels on it, and a tent draped up across the, the box, and I'd have to walk it all the way down to the stairwell, <laughs> down three flights of stairs, past the desk. And uh, of course, the dude sitting at the desk is like, going fishing? <laughs> here's your yeah. sign. Yeah, here's your sign. Nah. Like, nah, man, I just like to carry this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, we would go fish uh, for anybody who knows the local area, um, like Tanana Lakes, yep. uh, Chena Lakes, and we would just go catch the little stalker salmon and, yeah. and trout. And, mm-hmm. and that was always a blast. And, and I, lo- I used to love just keeping them um, because those things are like little veal, man. Like the yeah. veal of salmon, those yeah. little stalker salmon. And yeah. for anybody who says they don't taste good, they can get bent because <laughs> I, I think they taste just fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah that, and that's how I kind of got started uh, ice fishing up here. Yeah. Um, nice. And then started uh, once I got a little bit more versed in oh, there's other lakes here within mm-hmm. outside of like 15 minutes. Like yeah, right. that's when I started really like broadening my horizons and yeah. um, buying some little more upgraded equipment. <laughs> uh, once I got out of the military, you know, I had mm-hmm. my own place and uh, a more property to store uh, a lot of the stuff right. I would need. Because sure. before I had, like, like I said, I had a, a propane auger that I was not supposed to have. I was going to say, I'm surprised they let you have that in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I got stopped. You can't even on have my, a hot plate in those things most I got, of the time. Yeah, I got, yeah, exactly. Or toaster, right? Yeah. Um, I, I get stopped walking to my room with this propane auger <laughs> and the, the bottle. Thank God I took the bottle out of it and it was sitting in this box and some, you know, big rank guy comes up. He's like, what's that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's a auger. And he's like, you know, you're not supposed to have that in your room, right? I'm like, well, what am I not supposed to have? He's like that thing takes propane. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're not supposed to have that in your room. I'm like, there's no, there's no bottle in it. And he's like, mm, okay. And little did he know, <laughs> this freaking box I have has got like a half a dozen bottles. <laughs> so, um, keeping that stuff organized in my room was just a pain, man. Yeah. Um, that, that was the only good thing when I was living on base. I, I lived in 1001. For yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. years. And yeah, yes, that was before yeah. the remodel. So but <laughs> like, yeah. really bad. Oh, but they had the the storage cages in the basement, so you didn't have to oh, carry okay. everything to the third oh, floor. Oh man, oh, I would yeah. have killed for that. Yeah. No, there were days uh, in in the in the barracks. I lived at thirty two oh seven, one of the nicer, okay. one yeah. of the nicer newer ones. Yeah. There was a, a common area down like right in the in the desk area, and there was a a, a little place you walked into. It had tile as opposed to carpet mm-hmm. um and it was like a little wash bay for 
you know, dishes and a couple bathrooms and like a communal shower. Okay, not yeah. like we had ones in our own room. But um That's I remember a, like sounds like a fish cleaning station to me. <laughs> exactly, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> so I would I would go down there. I'd fill up the, the sink. I love it. I'd fill up the sink with frozen fish, like pike and little stocked salmon and trout. And uh, I tell I tell the guy at the desk, hey, dude, I'm going to set up my tent in here so it can dry out. And I'll be back in like, I'm going to go change. I'm going to be back in 30 minutes while my fish thaw in the sink. Just keep, keep an eye on it for me, will you? And I'd come back down. He's like, man, you got to get that thing out of here. That thing smells like... That thing smells like cigarettes and fish, man. Get that thing out of here. And I'm like, okay. So I'd fold it all up and haul it back up. And then I'd come down and process all my fish and throw it down the garbage disposal. But the poor poor thing about the garbage disposal is that thing's, you know, 20 years old. So it leaks. So it leaks. It leaks onto the freaking tile floor. So after I'd be done uh, cleaning all my fish, I'd go, I'd walk out of there and I'd look back. I look back and I'd see scales. Scales and like the bubbly slime <laughs> receding yes. toward the, the drain in the middle yes. of the floor. And I'd be like, peace, brother. Like, I am out of here, man. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be gone. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> I, was a, I was a menace, dude. I was a straight up menace in that place. Whoever was on CQ oh. that night was mad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think we, all, we just broke the laughing record on this podcast. Yeah, we. That's wow. Awesome. Uh, you know, we dealt. You know, we dealt, man. You yep, know, yep. You've got. You uh, got to make do. Yeah, I broke down those walls, dude. Yeah, I broke yeah exactly. Down those walls, man. Oh nothing was, my! Nothing was keeping me from having a good time. So. That's hilarious. Um. So how how uh how far out would you say your adventures took you while you were in the service? Like as far as like finding fishing spots and stuff like that. Like were you going like hours did you start like a, just as soon as you were able to just start going as far out as you could or oh yeah oh yeah. You, yeah um gosh we would get flown to you know anchorage and stuff and mm-hmm. even like then i'd be looking around like oh there's a little body of water like yep. oh, there's, there's some fish and stuff and yeah uh like out behind aisles and uh you know we'd have to drive the strikers in there and yep. look over like manchu or munchu lake yeah. or gravel yeah, pit yeah. one through yep. a million out there yeah, um and then uh, uh, if for anybody who doesn't know this listening uh, in the Alaska area, on the Fish in Game website, uh, I mean, you could just Google this. I mean, I use it every single weekend. Mm-hmm. Just to double check, um, you can go on and Google the Alaska Lake database, mm. and it will show you uh, yeah. every almost every single body of water in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And there's a little key. It has like green, yellow, and red dots. Uh, green dots are uh, lakes that have been stocked within the last couple of years. Yellow dots are lakes that haven't been stocked in years. Um, yeah. Red dots are lakes that have probably never been stocked, and some of them are considered dead lakes. But do not let that deter you from going and and checking them out. Like if yeah. I, I wouldn't say make a weekend like I'm going to go to this lake, but right, right. If you're out and about and you happen to know like oh there's a red dot lake Mm -hmm. go fish it um i know there's plenty of lakes down uh in between here and toke that have red dots on them Mm -hmm. uh that i've seen people catch monster lake trout out of really pike Mm -hmm. um impressive size char 
um, south of the Alaska Range, of course, uh, uh, rainbow trout. Yeah. Um, yeah. Massive size grayling. Um, so no. don't ever let like a red dot lake deter you from going there and just sure. trying yeah. it out. Sure. Now, I mean, so stocking fish, are they... They breed, right? Like once they're released or are they sterile? Nope, they're sterile. Are they're, they sterile? They, yep, okay. They're, they're released. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact name for it, but yes, yeah, sterile okay. would be. Okay. Would so, be the term. so once they're in there, that's the, that's the amount of fish and that's it. Um, cause, cause yes, I, I was yes. thinking about it in my head. I, I couldn't remember if they were sterile or not, but it was like, if they haven't been stocked in a while, I was curious if that was just, they reached their population and they were stable now or not. Like, yeah. it's kind of, I wonder why they release sterile fish. That kinda, seems kind of interesting. You'd think they'd want to make a sustainable population, but. Well, they don't want to eat the lake out. So if they can put a certain mm. amount of fish in that lake and let's say they kind of take into consideration the the takeout mm-hmm. of, you know, you and me or the guides or so on and so forth. Oh yeah. Um, they can put enough fish in that lake to where uh they won't reproduce. Um, so they won't have to really necessarily manage it to that extent. Right. Um, because even with these lakes that do get uh that don't get stocked. There is some sort of you know managing that goes into them. Okay, it yeah. might be not the millions of dollars it takes to you know produce these hatchery fish yeah. and release into there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But there is some sort of uh, uh, eye kept on those lakes. Gotcha. So if they can okay. release a certain amount of fish into the lake, and let's say these little stalkers last you know at max three years, mm-hmm. um, they're gonna they're gonna think okay, like so and so guides are out there. Let's say we have a population of like a thousand people mm-hmm. otherwise okay. go out and fish it. And let's say a thousand people go out there and take their uh, 10 fish, which usually that's not. Let's bump it down to like 50%. Um, let's like 5,000, let's call it 5,000 fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they stock 15,000 of those little stalkers mm-hmm. in there, there's uh, a good chance about of 10,000 of them will live to the next season. Okay. Um, and they take that into a very big consideration with those, with those stock lakes. Mm. Gotcha. Very interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So let's rewind a little bit. We, we've kind of jumped ahead and in, into what you're doing a lot now, but um, what year did you get out of the Army? Because... Uh, 2019, well, 2020 is when my official out date was. Okay. So you got here in 16. ETS'd. Yeah. So you got up here in 16 and mm-hmm. then you got out officially in 2020. You said you got your own place. Um, did you get into uh, any kind of big game hunting? Because, you know, some deer hunting as, as, as kind of a kid growing up in that Midwest part of the country, uh, but certainly a lot of waterfowl and upland bird and fishing, a heavy mm-hmm. part of the life as, as we've so uh, funnily heard that that was, but I, I, I yeah. if, if we're ever going to have a vault of, of great stories, that's, that's gotta be the first entry. That's, that's all. That's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so did you get into any kind of big game hunting, like moose, caribou, bear, stuff like that? Yeah, after? of course. Uh, well, when I was in, I guess it still started when I was backtrack even, um, still started when I was in, um, I met a, a really great NCO. Okay. Um, very good leadership skills and he didn't really care if about the whole fraternization the good ones normally don't um yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean anything anything to keep these like guys in this desolate place uh up and moving keep you out of trouble yeah and keep Keep you out of your room man i mean that's that's the biggest killer of these guys up here they got absolutely no lives nothing to do besides you know either go to the bars get hammered every single weekend get hammered in their room on the weekday play video games and yeah. and you know try to get 
Yeah, and, you know, exactly. it's real, there's not yeah. a lot of people up here, so the population density sucks. But um, he was very, I was very, very fortunate enough to have that type of leader mm. up here. And it was, it was a uh, one field problem. We're out and he's like, man, this place, like our camo fits in perfectly with this place. I'm going to use this camo to go caribou hunting. And I heard, ooh, like, <laughs> like, sorry, sorry, take me caribou. Sorry, sorry, take me caribou hunting. And I just pestered him enough to where he's like, all right, this is the day we're going to go be there, be square. Mm. Okay. And I had, it was fortunate enough to, take me out caribou hunting for a long weekend. We went out and shot our first, my first caribou, a couple of caribou. And then, yeah. um, then I was able to, okay, when I wouldn't say I knew it all, but I knew enough, you know, hunter safety and the ethics to, um, invite some of my buddies. We're going to go hunt the 40 mile. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went out and hunt the 40 mile. We got a couple, we went way back in there, away from everybody, got a couple of caribou, hauled them out. All right. The, yeah. Done deal. Um, and then, uh, and then I heard of like bear baiting. Then I got into, bear baiting and that uh, that was a whole venture yeah um that was like my first real venture by myself i oh, didn't really yeah. i didn't i just kind of googled a lot what took what it took to bear bait <clears throat> got the bear bait certificate um yeah yeah went out just went on google maps i think google maps is a great tool for those people like me who hate spending money on for like things like on x i think that <laughs> i think that's an amazing tool right but uh google maps you it's the same exact maps as, as on on x in my opinion they're a little more clear than i was gonna say, maps i was gonna say and honestly they're, they're yeah the definition on them is a lot better yeah and yeah. uh yeah i just went off uh out toward esther with the google maps found, can you do waypoints on google maps at yeah, all yeah yeah, have, yeah oh okay. yeah i've got spots all over this nice okay maps um i knew you could do temporary ones i didn't know if they'd stay forever though yeah 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 um but uh yeah i just went on google maps found this somebody told me about a logging road i'm Mm -hmm. like okay great place to start a logging road um (laughs) and then i just went off on google maps and uh from the air i found a trail system um from the trail system i was i'm looking for a little spots opening some some type of clearing that Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what i would hunt in illinois you know for deer i wouldn't right i don't yeah. love absolutely staying in the thickest part of the stuff just condensing my area of operation to like a trail like hopefully something if something's going to come down it's going to come down this little trail right not right. like anywhere around me um went on google maps found this trail found a little patch open area i could see from the sky okay bam there's my waypoint mm-hmm. um at the time i bought a i bought a four-wheeler you know while mm. i was in um here's spring i drive out there drop the four-wheeler go in there check this spot out deemed it worthy um i didn't know what the heck i was doing but <laughs> yeah. i deemed i deemed it there worthy you, you know um <laughs> it um, takes doing it man that's, yeah, that's, yeah yeah googled what do you put in a bear, uh, bait barrel looked mm-hmm. up like the regs for what i can put in a bait barrel here okay obviously not like fish scraps and right stuff yep. like that so i just narrowed it down to molasses and dog food like the yeah. tried and true yeah tested yeah. and proven thing right. for years of, of what you can bait for bears and um lo and behold set the barrel up put a bunch of stinky stuff out set my stand up got a trail camera and dude like that i had bears yeah like oh <laughs> I must be doing something right. There you go. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into doing my big game stuff. So yeah, um, that's awesome. So then fast forward a couple of years, uh, I get out. Um, I move into my own place, a little dry cabin up off of Goldstream. Um, my landlord of that place was a, a big game guy. He was an outfitter. Oh. Um, he did um, bear uh, boat based hunts. Now he does goats. 
Um, but okay. he does bears and goats off the boat uh, down in Ketchikan. Um, and he also does uh, sheep, bears, and moose up in the Brooks Range. Okay. Um, he had a he had his worker drop out on him, skip town, disappeared. Don't know what happened to him. I didn't ask any questions, although I probably should have. <laughs> um, he's like, do you would, like? Is this something you want to do? Um, I always said like, oh man, the biggest dream. Like, if I could do anything for the rest of my life, I'd love to be like on TV, going around like hunting, fishing, you know, mm-hmm. talking to a camera. You know, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what, how I'm going to do it, and then go out and do it, and then try to get some stuff on film. Um, and he kind of led with that. Oh, this is a great segue. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so he coerced me. It didn't take much coercing. I, I quit my job immediately. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. Uh, jumped on a plane with them. Flew down to Ketchikan. Uh, got a couple bears. Um, came back. Spent a month. Uh, kind of. Uh, tying up loose ends um flew me out to the brooks range uh and, and the brooks range i spent 47 days in camp my first first ever like guy big game guiding experience mm-hmm. um that mm-hmm. was my stint 40 47 days and like 196 miles walked in that time so wow um we didn't get any sheep we did get some um bears but um i had a, a waterfowl guide um who had hired me for that season so i had some prior obligations i want to take care of so i couldn't stick around for the moose season mm. so i got flown out uh before the moose season start think honestly because i don't want to carry <laughs> yeah, those big things right. on my back dude but um <laughs> so i flew out and then i started uh that season for guiding waterfowl um and uh-huh. ever since uh i've just been sticking to the fishing in the summer um and winter and then i do a lot of waterfowl guiding. yeah yeah um but that's how i got all into that big game that's like kind yeah. of been my big game guiding experience yeah you hmm. want to call it i that. remember a couple of years ago I, I i i walked into your uh to your current place of work yeah and uh i i think i was looking for a box of 375 ruger ammo and then you mentioned that well i i, I have that gun too or, or something yeah. something yeah, along yeah, got, those lines and we got talking and then uh you said that you were doing some guiding at the time, and that was kind of our first uh, interaction. Mm. And uh, but yeah, so waterfowl and then fishing in the summer. Are 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 you doing guiding for uh, for fishing stuff in the summertime now yeah. too? Yeah, uh, a lot of fly fishing. Um, oh, okay, okay. I nice. mean, there's as you know, there's plenty of bodies of water between here and Delta. Um, yeah, um, and uh, I tell you this, I'll be the first person to admit I don't. I wouldn't say I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm definitely not the best person around to do it with. Um, but I think I'm a pretty good personality. Um, I like, I do like talking to people. I like getting people hyped up, especially on a fish, uh, you know, six inches or 20 inches. Mm. I get people hyped up on, on fishing. Cause when it comes down to it, like we're out there, yeah, we're doing it. It's better than sitting on the couch. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've only been fly fishing for about five years now. Okay. And in the last two is when I've been uh, taking people out uh, fly fishing for, uh, so exclusively um, where I like to take a lot of people on is uh, the Delta Clearwater River. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the trophy yeah. grayling. Yeah. If you guys have ever fished that, you know that there's a plethora of yeah. fish in that river and uh, a lot of them are uh, in uh, trophy size. If you want to uh, get an Alaska trophy size, it'd be any grayling uh upwards of 18 inches mm-hmm. um that's that's a fast moving fast moving body of water in some spots yes it can yeah, yeah. oh yeah it can be yeah 
But um, cold too. And My yeah, goodness, it's all spring fed. All comes <laughs> yeah. right out of the ground. That's the biggest question I get when they when they. I, I tell them, hey, I know it's you know seventy five degrees out here, mm-hmm. sixty five degrees, but wear you know some thermals or a <laughs> yeah. pair of sweatpants with your waders because oh, you're gonna yeah. get in there. It's gonna be cold. The yeah. uh, the first time I went down there, um, I didn't have my waders with me. Ooh. And so I just went straight Arkansas style and, you yeah. know, just rolled my pants up. A wet wade. <laughs> yeah. Rolled R- up your overalls. Rolled, rolled up my, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> rolled my pants up, took my shoes off and just waded out there. And my goodness. I've, I've done some wet wading in cold. there. Yeah, I don't last long. <laughs> no. I, don't long, <laughs> but was... I do. I do get in there without the waders. Yeah. Every once in a while. That's refreshing, man. You gotta, you gotta expose yourself to yeah. it once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, Joe Rogan talks about that. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Cold plunge. Cold, cold plunge. plunge. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. That, that is just wonders for my. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Stacy. Stacy, pull that up. Pull that up on the. Yeah, pull that up. Pull that video up, man. It's look Stacey. at me. It's Jamie. 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 Can you pull that up on the? Yeah. Look at me. Get in there, man. <laughs> look wow. At me. You could. You could see my veins you growing. See, I just. I absolutely just love it, man. <laughs> okay. So now. <laughs> So uh, just a quick side uh, bar about the Delta Clearwater. That river doesn't freeze in the wintertime, does it? Nope. No, it does not. It's all spring fed. Um, so as cold it is, uh, as it is in the summer, mm-hmm. you would think it mm-hmm. does, but mm-hmm. there are pockets in, in the river where the water just still comes like straight out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of that uh, current um, that that's what keeps it open. All gotcha. around. I mean, even the lake, it's, it's hard to see that lake freeze over interesting um, you can if you've ever been on the clearwater lake and you've driven across it's crystal clear just like mm. the river yeah um but you could see it's a it's a, got a really soft bottom mm. and the reason because it has a soft bottom it's very aerated um you could see just like holes all across the bottom of the lake yeah. and you would think like whoa that's like moose tracks across the bottom of the lake but it's not they're they're bubbles it's uh places where the spring comes up out of the ground and Wow. Keeps the water open all year round. Interesting. Yeah. Um, several years ago, I, I, I went out. I, I, got, um, I got flown out to a little homestead spot on the Clearwater for work um, mm. for a customer at, at, at my day job. And this, was, this has been a while ago, but my, he flew my boss and I out there to do a job. And he, it, it, was, it was a full-on house, like a nice place on the Clearwater. Yeah. And it was middle of winter. We were flying out there and it was, everything was covered in snow. We're looking at moose. All the moose had already dropped their headgear. And we get out there and the river's still wide open. And I had no idea mm-hmm. what to expect. And I'm like, what? What is wrong with this river? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's 20 below zero out here and this is like <laughs> flowing hard. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It was really interesting to see that. Yeah. Oh. It's, and it's, and it's an amazing ecosystem yeah. on that river as far as from like, Winter, winter to summer goes. Yeah. Watching the, uh, oh, we have like a crazy mayfly hatch mm. out there in the in like the June July time frame. Yeah, and I mm. would say that's like the best place to uh, get some top water action in, uh. in that uh, span of season. Yeah, um, I Very love cool. it. I love it. Like you yeah. cannot keep me off that river in the summer. <laughs> like I'll go there just to fish by myself. Right. I, I love. Yeah. I got friends there, and they let me stay in their in their house or mm. a little RV they got in the front yard I'll, I'll just make it work but i i love spending time on that river it's beautiful yeah. mm. um i like seeing all the duck flying up and down the river that yeah. use it in the springtime yeah um and then i love going back there in the fall and shooting them in the fall <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah that's cool very, yeah. very cool so how many uh so you pretty much 
started guiding right out of the gate as soon as you got out of the military then, huh? Is that, uh, is that pretty much like you just uh, dove on, right into it? On my own, yes. Yeah. 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 But uh, I think I mentioned earlier um, when I was a kid, um, like I said, my dad and I fished all these mm, uh, right, right, big, yeah. big tournaments on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, one random day at a tournament, I'm standing there for a weigh-in. I get tapped on the shoulder. There was a, a charter boat um, guy yep. um, where he had, he had a pretty great system. He told the clients, um, hey, I'd, we, I'd like to register for the tournament. I just need you guys' names and stuff for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys would like to go and fish the tournament, let me know. But if you guys don't want to, that's fine. But if you guys come in, we'll go to the weigh-in. We'll look at everybody's catch. They'll feed you a little lunch. And his deal was if we won a tournament, the charter was free. Oh, Which, yeah, that was a, that was yeah. a great trade-off. I mean, yeah. he never did win. Like, we always, we always beat him. But it was it's like it, playing the lottery. I mean, exactly. you just yeah. never know. Yeah, and, yeah. It was, and it was a way to kind of get him and the clients a little bit more like, oh, yeah, let's, oh, let's win this thing. Like, and yeah. it was just a great yeah. way to hype up people. And, and uh, especially like when I'm doing like my like personal stuff, man, I just love hyping people up. Yeah. I like I like to think of it as getting somebody who has like no business <laughs> being out there doing uh the uh into it and um you know just like teaching them. I I absolutely yeah. love teaching them not only how to catch the fish but especially like how to treat them and right. you know ethics wise uh if sure. we're, if we're sure. in these like put and take uh or I'm sorry, if we're in these like catch and release lakes mm-hmm. um I'll just use the the Clearwater River for an example. Um, you know, keeping the fish in the water, getting your hands wet before you even touch the fish. If yeah. you want to get a picture, um, I keep I have them keep them in the water. I have them pull it up. Somebody gets a picture. I hold the net underneath the fish. That way, they don't drop it in the boat. Because, yeah. like I, I say, I always tell them, if you're gonna drop the fish, drop it in the water. Don't drop it in the boat. Right. Um, and that's what the little net. Like you, I got all these pictures of me with with clients and. You could just see like the rim of the net just yeah. below, just below the yeah. fish, because you know yeah. those grayling they're so they're so <laughs> agile and they're so slippery to hold on to that you know they'll just spaz out and a person will go wah and drop the thing and poof, <laughs> scoop it up with the net and just get it in the water. Right, right. Um, yeah, just don't let it hit the boat. Don't you just want to keep them as healthy as we can? Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And that extremely correlates to uh, ice fishing. Yeah, it does um, it? Okay, yeah. Well, you got to think you're pulling out these fish who are wet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say it's 10 below outside. Um, we get the fish up to the hole. In other places, like in the Midwest, I always had a gaff because we were keeping them no matter what. Right, But right. here I can't use a gaff. So I take the glove off, get my hands a little wet. I work the line, work the fish up the hole. I grab the fish. I keep the fish in the water, unhook the thing. Tell them, hey, get your cameras out. Get mm. you right next to me. I'm going to pull this thing out. I'm going to get it in your hands. Right, We're right. We're going to take a picture, and I'm going to get back in this water. Because yeah. at, at 10 below, it takes no time for uh, their fit, their eyeballs, their skin to freeze up. Right. Um, yeah. And, mm. and when, we're, when we're like going to release a fish, like you have to treat that thing with the utmost respect. Absolutely. Um, good rule of thumb is hold your breath. Um. That's like, I've ever heard that everywhere. If you're going to release a fish, as soon as you pull that thing out of the water, hold your breath. Right, right. And keep it out of the water for as long as it's uncomfortable for you to hold your breath. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's cold out, that time needs to be cut in half because yeah. it takes nothing further. Like I said, their eyeballs, their fins, their skin, 
everything else to freeze up. Um, pull it out, get a good picture with it, put it back in the water, let it get a drink, keep it fully submerged. And like me, I, I don't care. Like I'll put my hands in the water. Like I'm I'm cold. I don't care. Um, we'll get the tape measure strung out. Uh, if I don't have a towel or a jacket, I try to get the ice, like, you know, flip out a bunch of water onto the ice to Mm -hmm. try to get the ice nice and wet. Um, get the fish down, get a measurement on it back into the water again. Um, one last look, one maybe final picture and release it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like my, my biggest stipulation, um, especially with like the big lake trout we catch through the ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it is, it is imperative, uh, that these fish get a healthy release. Right. Um, yeah. cause there, there ain't no point of just taking it out and slamming it on the, on the ice and snow and letting it flop around and you sticking your hands up in the air. Woo! Screaming yeah. from across the lake and everybody's looking at you with this, you know, big fish flopping on the ice. Like there's no point. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, if you're keeping it for food, it's one thing, but like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Catch yeah. And release. Yeah. 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 It don't matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Throw the thing on the ice if you're keeping it. I don't care. Right. Well, and it's like, I've known guys in catch and release areas and they catch the fish and pull it out and then take their picture and then just like kind of huck a puck it back into the yeah, lake and it's like it's same thing it's I like but why like oh, yeah or like kicking like, it back into the middle yeah. of the stream like come on like, dude like just gently put it back where yeah. where it lives it like, costs zero dollars and, and, it, it's zero effort to re- release a fish healthily yeah, yeah. And, and we were talking about that a little bit before the show started off air but you know it's like people seem to have a, a hard time equating the same ethics from hunting to fishing yeah, you know, right. and even yeah. somebody who's a very ethical hunter will sometimes just not care when it comes to fishing. Yeah. Oh, right. it's just um, a fish. It's just it's a fish. Just a fish. Yeah. Just, and, yeah but, right. but it's, you know, its whole ecosystem is just in this one lake. Like you know, there's yeah. not like an infinite number of fish in this lake. There might be a lot, but it's not infinite. Well, and then but, uh, we we get back to w- what I was just talking about something like this uh, at the shop this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the ethics that go in hunting and fishing are. Uh, have some very, very different, very apparent differences in mm-hmm. it. Um, one, like when you go hunt stuff, there is no catch and release. <laughs> yeah. Like when you shoot something, like you're aiming to kill, you want to kill that thing, you want to put it out of its misery as quick as possible. Now, when you're when you're killing fish and you're keeping them, that it should be the same same ethics. You know, either bonking it on the head, yeah, uh, cutting the gills, getting it to bleed out as quick as possible. Just to, you just want to kill the fish mm-hmm. um, to end it, the end of the suffering. But uh, going back to what I just said, there is no catch and release in hunting. Right. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. now maybe you're one of those guys on helicopters who goes nets these things and like <laughs> tags them or something, and then, and then really like yeah, sure. Then then you want to get it tagged yeah. and released as quick as possible yeah. without harming the animal but um yeah. with, with the fishing it's a it's a completely different realm as far as you know when you're going to release them um and like you said some people just have like no res- oh it's just a fish yeah, uh, yeah. they got uh, zero respect but yeah you're totally right that is their ecosystem that is their body of water in which they live i mean i even know even on the clear water when those grayling come in and migrate and there's a resident population on the clear water that stay there all, all winter long. Like you can walk down to the boat launch there and see grayling in the water in the winter. Wow. Some of them never leave, mm-hmm. but I've talked to fish and game folk and, uh, they go out and they do a lot of catching and releasing and tagging. And from what I've heard, these grayling that, that come in there every, every year, 
um, that can get up to about 20 years old. About 17 is about really? the average. That old? Yeah, about 17 is a- No kidding. I think one of the 17 is what, what I've Googled once is about the average or like longest lifespan of a grayling. Um, wow. But a lot of those fish will come up that river and they'll find that same hole they, they sat in the year before and they will sit there all year round. They won't really? Be, they'll bully other fish out of their hole. Or they'll kind of stay there with their other with their other fish, but they'll come up and they'll sit in the same hole every single year. Um, and that's just no what kidding. I've gotten from some fishing game guys who go out there and tag them. And I've caught wow. I've caught tagged grayling out there, and um, they put, gosh, you know that like little clothes, uh, like a little price tag for like the clothes, yeah. oh, like yeah, it's a yeah. little plastic thing with a T on the end of it. Yeah. Right. That's the exact same method they use to tag those uh, that little plastic T just underneath the base of the skin. And then they'll, it's like a little uh, piece of uh, like rubber wire that you would use for like wiring a car. Mm-hmm. And then they have a, a little number on it. I've caught some grayling out there where that tag was completely covered up by some type of algae or, or uh, um, oh, wow. just junk that they've did over the years. And you have to keep them in the water and like scratch off <laughs> the, the junk on the tag just to read the numbers and mm-hmm. get a picture of it and then submit it with the fish and game. And I, I don't really get much stuff back from them. I've I've reported a couple of numbers and they're like, thank you for your report. Right. I'm like, buddy, I can't even get like a word back of like when this thing was tagged. An automated or, message. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they do have a tagging program on the clear water. And I oh, think it'd cool. be cool if I actually got some information back from them because I catch so many fish out there and mm-hmm. we're looking at it like, I think the most uh, tagged fish I caught in one season was three. I don't remember catching any of this past season, but gotcha. Huh. Um, but yeah, they're definitely tagged fish out there. It'd be yeah. cool. It'd be cool to. I think it's easy for folks it. to, uh, um, from the hunting and fishing, um, just corresponding back and, you know, that there, there are relations, you know, from from the ethics for one side versus the other. Mm-hmm. But it's easy for people, and and, and even myself, you know, it, up until a few years ago, you just look at them differently because yeah. well, there's fish everywhere, right? There's not a moose behind every tree. There's not a bear behind every mountain. There's not a sheep on every peak. Yeah. Uh, But but, there's fish everywhere. But there's fish everywhere, right? So what does it really matter in the grand scheme of things if I try to catch catch and release one and I don't, you know, use kid gloves to take care of it, so to speak? Mm -hmm. And I've I've gotten a lot better with that in in my, uh, um, well, since I moved back here. I, I just kind of try to be more respectful, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be too mushy about it, uh, so to speak, but I do think that it's important to be respectful. At the end of the day, they're living out there too. They don't have an easy life. N- n- well, no more than a caribou or a moose does. Right. It's just mm-hmm. a different environment. And yeah, you have to treat them with respect and don't just, uh, you see it all the time, you know, people fishing off the bridges or fishing off the off the bank somewhere and you see him yank a grayling out and it flops on the bank for five or six yeah, minutes. Smacking it, on the rocks. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. While yeah. they're trying to get their phone out to take a yeah. selfie with it. Yeah. And, and, and then they take out their pliers and they just rip that hook out of there. And, and, and you, you know, that bottom jaw is just destroyed and yeah. they just throw it back out in the water, you know, three, four feet out into the water and it mm-hmm. slap hits the ground. And it really aggravates me watching YouTube videos of fishing and watching guys yeah. channels that have, millions of views yeah. and guys are pulling fish out and they've got them out of the water and they're, they're not holding them in the water to take the hook out. Nothing like that. Uh, and then they stand there and they have the, they have the fish out and they tell their whole story about how they caught the fish and yeah. how long they've been out there. 
And you watch it and it's 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 yeah. seconds, yeah. a minute plus, And then, all right, well, we're going to put this guy back in the water. Oh. And then they just turn around and whoosh, just chuck it off into the water. Yeah. That, that makes me mad because that's what makes us look bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It, it is. Yeah. The, the People that are anti-fishing yeah. look at that and go, look at how they mistreat that exactly. fish. You know, that's exactly. just a bad look. Yeah. So yeah, have have some more class than that. Yeah. But. I mean, there's been days I've been out on the clear water. Um, you know, I, I like to let the client release the fish. I think it's a, like a personal experience. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I put it in their hands. All right. Just keep it in the water until he's ready for a good, healthy kickoff. And sometimes they just get a little overzealous and, and, uh, the thing gives like, you know, a half pump and, darts off and then kind of folds up sideways yeah i gotta run out there i net it i grab it i really keep it in the water um anybody out there listening uh, a good thing i've i've learned by just watching some other uh, more ethical youtubers is uh getting up river of the fish um and taking your net and vigorously chumming up the water that huh. uh lets air get into the water let, lets air get into ah. the gills a little bit more air uh a little more exposure to mm. air for the gills to get that fish kind of back up and running a little bit. Okay. Interesting. Um, but I, I've seen it like way too many times, like even on, on the ice, uh, somebody would just take fish and torpedo that thing yeah. down the hole. Right. Well, what happens is, is when you shove that fish down the hole and they're not ready to go, they float up back to the top, they go sideways and they grab that ice and they freeze to the bottom of the ice. Yeah. Oh wow. Like you could you could take a camera down and look at that fish sitting up, practically dead. Yeah. I would say dead, but you know, fighting stunned. fighting for its life, stunned yeah. uh, up against the bottom of the ice. Yeah. And uh, when, especially when I release those big lake trout, yeah. Um, yeah. I hold on to the tail. Um, and it's just about knowing, like, reading uh animals' body language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. if it just gives me like a like a little half pump, a little, a little half pump, little little like some kind of not very aggressive, you know, shake to get out away from me. I'll hold it there. Yeah. I'll yeah. hold it. I'll bounce it up and down, getting the gills, yeah. Uh, yeah. water right, throwing right. through the gills. And then once it really gives me a, an aggressive shake, I let it go. I put my head down to the hole and I just, I just, I'm like, oh, thank God. I look at the sonar. I'm like, okay, there he's down 50, mm-hmm. 50, 60, 70. He's gone. Yeah. And that's when gotcha. I can like uh, ethically be like, oh, all right. That is a healthy yeah. release. And yeah. right. um, I didn't mention this, but I've done that uh, when I, my brother has a charter boat down in Florida, mm. um, go down and visit him all the time. And, you know, we catch like marlin, sailfish, um, sure. kind of tarpon. Um, okay. And that's kind of where I learned how to release those fish, you know, holding the fish up against the side of the boat, right. you know, ripping it back and forth a little bit, getting some gills, uh, getting some water going through the gills. Um, Ah man, he gave me a little pump. Now he's not ready to go yet. He's not ready to go. Sometimes right. he'd let. Sometimes he'd bring him up up above the um, way of the current, let it go, and if the fish turned sideways, he'd run to the back of the boat and grab the tail again, and you know keep pumping him again until he's right. healthy and ready yeah. to go. And that's kind of where I yeah. learned a lot more of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Somebody told me one time that if if when you're trying to release one in in that particular way. If he's not trying to get out of your hand, then he ain't ready yet. No. Just yeah. just wait yeah. until he's got as much strength seemingly as as when you pulled him onto the shore to begin with. Yeah. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it's a hard, especially especially with the big fish. Yeah. It is a hard battle. 
Like they are mm-hmm. given, um, in my experience, let's just talk about lake trout. Um, these like 30 plus in fish that weigh 20 some odd pounds. Yeah. Um, that is a lot of energy they have to exert. Imagine, you know, getting pulled up and down this, yeah. this hallway yeah. by a rope, you know, fighting for your life, getting <laughs> yeah. dragged right. and by the time they get you to the door, you got no gas left. Yeah. Um, you are not going to want to walk back up the hallway and up the flight of stairs you just right. came from. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's a fight. You know, it just gases them out. Um, yeah. And that is something I, I preach to every single person yeah. uh, when we're doing these catch yeah. and release stuff yeah. is, you know, you want a nice, healthy release. Sure. Now, you said you learned the method down there with your brother in, in Florida, um, but the, the whole concept of these ethics, I mean, was that something that was instilled in you as a kid? Like, is that how you kind of no. grew up fishing or no, like, where not, did that come from? Not at all. I mean, uh, on Lake Michigan, um, as far as like the retention rates in Lake Michigan, um, you're allowed to keep five fish on Lake Michigan. Two of those were allowed to be lake trout. Um, it was very daily or like daily, total? Daily, okay, daily, daily. Yeah. Um, it was very, very seldom that we would release a fish. You know, okay. if it caught a little one that was over 12 inches, I think that was like the 15 inches. Gotcha. Um, that was like, all right, put it in the cooler. We got a small one. Yeah. Right, that happens. Um, but it wasn't up until I moved down, or I didn't move, but it wasn't until I went down to Florida messed around with my brother for a couple of seasons okay. uh, to where I got that uh, kind of hands-on experience of really releasing fish. Uh-huh. Right, because you um, can't keep a, any of those like big marlin or anything, right? Like, um, if, if you have, uh, I know the tarpon at least, if you have like a kill permit, some guys will okay. come out with like a kill permit. Gotcha. But as far as the tarpon go, if you don't have a kill permit, you're not even allowed to take them out of the water. Oh, wow. Oh, like yeah. When you land that thing, um, you get it up alongside of the boat, you get the client up, you get the client to hold the mouth of it, mm. and you get a picture from the tuna tower. Or if you're gotcha. in, or if the client's ballsy enough, you get them get in the, the water. water. With them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah I, lo- I always love that. But uh, get them in the water with them. Um, and uh, I, I mean, there was, there was a lot, there's not many lakes that I fished in the Midwest um, to where if I went to it, I was going to release fish. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, those ethics were really kind of, kind of more or less like self-taught mm-hmm. up here. Yeah. Um, gosh, I remember uh, as far as like, let's just going back to Harding Lake. Um, I remember my first lake trout. Yeah. Caught on Harding Lake. Um, on Harding Lake, you're allowed to keep one over 30 inches. That's it. Um, okay. but one a day over right, 30 yeah. inches. Um, I caught this lake trout. It was over 30 inches. Um, I got my picture with it. I was putting it back. I might, at the time, I might not have had the best uh, method to catch and release these fish because I didn't do it a bunch yet. Right. Um, but the only reason I didn't keep that fish is because I've caught 100 of them in Lake Michigan. Right. You right. know, I know they don't taste the best, and yeah. uh, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to keep it. I was going to throw it back, let it, mm-hmm. let it go back. Um, I know I've talked about this before the show, but I'll just reinstill this. It, it's just the most random person out there. And as you know, you called it hard luck earlier. Yeah. Hard it luck is lake. hard luck. It is hard luck. Guys will go out there and fish years and years and years, mm-hmm. um, and never catch one. Uh, I just saw a buddy on Instagram. He posted a picture with a lake trout on Harding and he's like, maybe it'll be another three years. I'll catch my <laughs> third one. Right. Catch my third one is a second fish in, in wow. six years. Um, <sighs> Yeah, and, and imagine wow. imagine That's like dedicating de- that much time to try to catch one of those fish. Yeah, when you catch one, you're gonna want to keep it. Right. Like I've just spent hours and hours and hours of 
looking at the radar and getting fish to chase me um and trying to you know pull one out of the hole gosh when i when i get one oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm keeping it. it's either going on the wall or going in the smoker right yeah right um and it's up to you know guys like us who go out there and fish it all the time to uh you know teach that yeah to people like because they don't they don't know of course they've never caught one before when they get one up they're going to want to bonk it on the head and keep it mm-hmm. um well, and the big ones are the spawners. That's and the, the big ones are yeah. the spawners. And, and as far as lake trout goes, it takes them just about eight years to reach spawning age. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So how old do lake trout get? Uh, that's a great question. That is, a, <laughs> that is an amazing question. Should I look um, it up? <laughs> if, yeah. Do you have service? I'd love to know that question. My guess would be about, gosh, my guess would be about 20 years. Mm. 20 if i had to guess i don't have service but i've got wi-fi so yeah we keep the service turned off so the government can't listen to us yeah Uh, you hear that you hear that feds you hear that feds man well we did turning the frogs (laughs) well we probably heard a pretty bad story earlier and if if i'm totally wrong on that lake trout spawning age just uh just say you can't find it (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) if 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 their year if their lifespan's only like five years just don't add just there's no info right there's no info but i would i would love to know on alaska fish and game website it says alaska lake trout can live longer than 50 years but more typical more typical maximum ages are around 20 years wow what I tell you, what I tell you, yeah, yeah if I had to guess, it would be yeah. about, about 20 years. Yeah, what Man, are you gonna, what are you going to do? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure right below that, it's spawning up to up three years of age. <laughs> I, I guess it, I, I didn't see it kind of just blows my mind. I never thought fish like lived that long. I mean, I, I knew like ocean yeah. fish did. Sure. Like, sturgeon. Certain one. Yeah. Sturgeon. I mean, right, well, they're, right, they're right. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. Yeah. Big, but yeah. like a, a little or something like that like i never even thought about and when you take one of those big you know 30 plus inch fish like you think how old is this fish yeah how many fish has this fish produced right like either either spawned or as like um milked on to help produce more lake trout in that lake Mm -hmm. um and yeah you never know when you're pulling up one of those fish like it could be i'm only 25 when i pull up when i pull up one of these fish it could be old as i am Right, yeah. right. That's, yeah. that's a true that's statement. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Well, and, I, 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 I remember a couple of years ago, I was watching a video of somebody catching sturgeon. I think it was in Canada. Okay. Yeah. And they said that, you know, for, for a sturgeon this size, we estimate this fish to be, and it was something crazy, like 150 years old. Yeah. And wow. I thought, that's got to be like the oldest fish out there. And it's, and, and, and it's and still then, getting hooked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah. never learn, do they? Well, I, I don't think they get fish that much. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they get that much pressure. <laughs> but then you look at um, places in, um, uh, what, what am I thinking of? The Montana Breaks country. They've got those shovel nose. It, it, yeah, paddlefish. Yeah, pa- paddlefish. Yeah. yeah. And those get super old, too. Yep. They're, they're prehistoric. They're like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Just back insane. To like the, uh, I think it's like the Mes- Mesothoic era, what yeah. they predate back to. Yeah. Yeah. Super old, anyway. But man, oh man. yeah, it's very interesting. <clears throat> but but then for for our you know home state around here, I never thought that fish got that. Old. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> just just last year, I heard somebody say, "Well, yeah, that's got to be like a fifteen year old grayling," and I thought you're full of it. There's no way that fish no. is fifteen years yeah. old. And then I started looking it up, and yeah, a lot of these fish live to be a lot older than I ever thought. And so mm-hmm. yeah, well, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same thing with the salmon. Even the salmon that come up the rivers. I mean, they're 
they're all, I, I believe, I think they're all pushing 10 years old too, somewhere in there. Is like it really that old? Between, I think it takes seven years. Discern oh, salmon get older than rice? Uh, or am I thinking that that? It, I hate, I hate it, to, Or maybe four is what to, I'm thinking. Yeah, of. I hate I to think, stomp on okay, it. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, t- like typical spawning for salmon, as you know, when, when yeah. salmon spawn, uh, they die. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah, um, that's uh, not the case with uh, uh, like other trout and other salmonoids. But uh, as right. far as like, let's just take the king salmon for example, yeah. the most popular, most sought after one there is out there. Yeah. Um, their typical lifespan is up to five years. They okay, can spawn gotcha. as early as three. Gotcha. Uh, on average, four. Okay. Um, the I- silvers. Um, and this just another reason why the silvers don't get as big. Um, up to four as early as two on average. Oh, really? Th- on average, okay. three. Really? Because yeah. I, I, I thought at some point somebody had told me they stay out in the ocean for like five or six years, but that, so, I probably just heard So wrong they'll one, hatch but. and then go out to sea and then they'll hang out out there for minimum three years or so. For, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the kings and then come anyway. Back up. And then come back wow. up, spawn, and then die. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're younger than I thought they were then. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's where, maybe that's where. But yeah. that's, I think that is just absolutely so impressive mm-hmm. that yeah. let's just take the king salmon for example what's like the state record like 80 some oh. odd pounds oh more than that 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 yeah. fish can grow at such an exponential rate <laughs> right and just in right. a minimum of five years i mean god toddlers don't even grow that that <laughs> big like the human right. race doesn't grow that much <laughs> yeah. in five years yeah um but when you when you look at salmon like that and it's and it's all because of what they eat right right out there like you're not going to see any sterile stock salmon push 10, 15 pounds out here because they're eating little tiny, tiny plankton, microscopic bugs, mm-hmm. um, the Man. things of that nature out here. So Alaska's state record king salmon size is 126 okay, pounds. Okay, I was way the largest, Wasn't it caught down in uh, The uh, largest Saldotna? king on record, sport record, is a 97-pound king caught on yeah. the Kenai River in 1985. Yeah. Uh, the commercial record is 126 pounds. <sighs> yeah. Man. Wow. I think they've got a statue of that guy down there, don't they? Holding that, that record fish? Uh, I don't the know. The 96-pounder? Yeah, the 96-pounder. A, a couple of photos came Chena up Pump. here. Yeah. Is there really? I think there's a photo of it at the Chena Pump. Mm, there might even be like a graphite replica hanging up in mm. there too. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, oh, that photo won't come up. <laughs> huh. Yeah, well, well, it's this one right here, but not that our listeners can see it. The, the one on the right side, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the one. Uh, there's, another, there's another one of him like in yep. the water with it. Yeah, that well, fish is and, almost as tall as they are. Well, yeah, and, and somebody had told me part of what that with that story is they had so apparently fish shrink fairly quickly when you pull them out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, yeah, yeah, they sun cooked and de- dehydrated and they shed yep. the water weight and all that. And so these guys had caught that fish earlier in the day and then kept it, but left it in the boat or, or you know on the stringer. And so they kept fishing the rest of the day and didn't weigh it till they got back mm-hmm. uh, hours later. And so they're estimating it was actually heavier than that when they pulled it out of the water. Yeah. Look um, at this one. 97 pounds. No oh, man. Look this at that one, thing. One this one's in the, in the boat. Oh, <laughs> that is a hog. Dude. Yeah, I'd have that smile on my face too. Right? <laughs> ear. He's practically got his eyes closed. Ear to ear, man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. I think um, the biggest one I ever caught personally was like a 45 pounder. Yeah. On, on rod and reel, that was absolutely the best fight of my life. Yeah. That was just a riot. Yeah. Rod and reel fishing is my favorite kind of fishing. Like, I have, yeah, me too. I mean, honestly, mm, yeah. me too. Um, that is just 
fantastic to catch a king like that back when you could catch them in that spot. Yeah. I've, um, I think the biggest one I've caught was in Lake Michigan, um, and that was like 26, 27. Yeah. Um, and what kind of salmon do they have in Lake Michigan? Uh, so they have um, two. Well, actually, now they just started introducing uh, Atlantic salmon. Oh, really? In the last five years, they oh. just started putting Atlantic salmon in there and seeing how they're doing. Okay. Um, but when I was around, when it was my lake, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, we have king salmon. We have got the cohos, and that's what we always called them there as cohos, so it's silvers. Yeah. Um, and then we have three different species of trout. We have a uh, steelhead or uh, rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the brown trout and then the lake trout. Interesting. Um, but, uh, other than that, there's a s- assortment of other species in that lake. Those were just the ones that we would target for our tournaments. Um, yeah. let's see, there's a, a variety of perch, uh, walleye catfish. There's actually catfish in that. I've seen videos of guys, uh, fishing out, let's say a hundred and some odd feet of water, um, with a, a dipsy diver rig um estimated down like 45 feet mm-hmm. and then pulling out 15 pound uh channel cat like hitting it mid mid water column like what the <laughs> heck is this fish doing smoking a spoon you know right. traveling at two miles an hour through the water um <laughs> but uh, other than that i think there's probably sturgeon in lake michigan um i think you're right but yeah are there really and whitefish, there's a, a whitefish. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Yep. yeah. Whitefish white, in there. Whitefish are good. I mm-hmm. love whitefish. Yeah. No. Have you gotten out in, uh, well, I, I'm sure you've done some charter stuff up here by, by this point, but like for rockfish, halibut, yeah. things oh, yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Yellow eye type of thing. Yeah. Um, this uh, most recent one we did, it wasn't a charter, um, but we went down to Seward, Miller's mm-hmm. Landing, and we yep. rented one of those boats. Mm-hmm. And- it's crazy to think that these people just let you rent like a 19 foot stavecraft, <laughs> I know, a 90 right. horse, like a 90 <laughs> horse Johnson on the back of it and let you just have the day yeah. with yep. it. But, uh, yeah, we went, uh, out of Seward and we caught, uh, let's see, I think there was, uh, five, five of us. Yeah. Four adults and a kid. Um, we caught our limit of, uh, chickens. Nice. Um, oh, and I think this is like my most, like the deep sea stuff. It's great. I have mm-hmm. massive respect for it i caught my first yellow eye yeah um and i was super proud of that lady next to me caught her yellow eye and so then we were extremely stoked about it mm-hmm. um but uh down there uh you see the salmon just jumping on the top of the water oh really yeah, yeah there's i mean if you go down even to all of the the, the homer spit area yep um seward uh i mean i think you can even see them in whittier um salmon are just jumping out there in mm. the in the yeah. water and sometimes they would be jumping, you know, uh, 30, 40 feet from us. Well, I had a spinning rod with a casting spoon on it. Yeah. And if I just saw one jump, you know, within a place I could catch, I'd slam the pole in a pole holder, jump up on the bow and whip that spinning rod out in front of them. Yeah. And I caught three silvers that oh, day nice. doing that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was, and that was, that was a lot of fun because you yeah. just see them out there and like, oh, they're heading that way get out in front of them and and i was getting them hooked up as close as like five yards from the boat oh and wow seeing like four of them following you know my spoon up in there no it was, kidding. It was no. a lot of fun if you're ever down there yeah and you're out you know deep sea fishing and you happen to have a, a spinning rod next to you and you see all these salmon jumping around yeah man whip it out in front of them just try it i mean they're <laughs> telling you they're right there yeah i mean it couldn't 
it couldn't be any more easy to locate one of those things when they're jumping out yeah. there. And um, they're jumping for eating purposes or are they yeah, just... Yeah, they're just chasing little bait fish on the top of the water. You see just a little hooligan yeah, or um, yeah. mm. uh, maybe smelt. I'm, I'm not too well versed in the deep sea stuff up here, but okay. um, they're chasing that stuff through the water and, and they they hit the water and they come out, you know, a couple of feet and they're like, oh, there's one right there. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Whip, I just got a little, uh, you know, one ounce MEPS casting spoon, yep. silver and like purple or blue or something and just, you know, pitch mm-hmm. it out in front of them like... Just take a couple of casts. All right, put it back in the pole or go back to your rod yeah. and wait for another one to jump out in yeah. front of you. Yeah. Wow. In August, my <laughs> wife and I went down to the Southeast Islands uh, to deer hunt. I saw that. You guys did pretty good. Huh? Yeah, we did uh, We did uh, above average. Uh, well, um, great. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, she and I each shot one. And then our friends from out of state, uh, Ryan Lampers, he, his, his company is one of our sponsors, Stealthy Hunter. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah. him and his daughter Paley, and then a cameraman. We, we all went down there, and our flight out of the town uh, got delayed at the beginning due to some really nasty weather. But it's August on the coast of Alaska, and the fish were just coming in by the bucketfuls. Yeah, so we fished nonstop for a couple of days, and <laughs> just went to the local sporting goods store and bought a couple of little like. Like, not even what I would use for pike up here in the summertime, (laughs) but we just bought an assortment of stuff and... And uh, Ryan actually, uh, well, he used to do some some fishing guiding up here, like down the peninsula way uh, back in, uh, well, quite a few years ago now. Uh, So I was asking him questions and be like, hey, you know, so what kind of lure do I use? You know, Mm -hmm. what pound line (laughs) should I buy? And I I am not nearly as big into fishing as, as, as... a lot of people are. Yeah. I, that's just never been my thing. I, I'm trying to get more into it as I uh, find that it's more and more fun. Right, right. But uh, we went just around the, the town there and just drove the road system and fished and fished and fished. And it was a lot of fun. Just yeah. And fighting those fish on a little rod like that with like six pound test mm. was just a riot. It was <laughs> a lot of fun. I, I, I got a couple of pictures of them and, and uh, Ryan's daughter Paley caught several. And she, yeah, it, it, it was nice to... To be able to keep ourselves entertained for a couple of days, just sitting right. around town waiting to get flown out to deer hunt. But uh, actually, uh, kind of a funny story. Uh, we were getting flown out to a lake uh, to start our deer hunt. And uh, I, I had called fish and game b- beforehand, and I'd gotten, the, uh, I'd gotten the little map showing which lakes had fish in them and what kind of fish there was going to be. And Ryan had been asking me, he said, so are there going to be fish in this lake? And I said, well, I don't know, man. There's usually like a 40-foot waterfall on the way down to the salt water out of these lakes. I, I kind of doubt it, but you never know. I mean, it, it might not have a waterfall. There might be a feeder into it, but this one didn't have any feed streams. It was just all, you know, coming off the mountains. They're going to this huge lake. And uh, so he he brought a fishing rod. And uh, not to give anything away here, but it came in real handy, not for fish. Oh, yeah. You told me. <laughs> uh, we ended up having to retrieve something out of a lake <laughs> on the hunt with that fishing rod. And I, I had left wow. mine in town with some friends, and he brought his just in case we flew, just in case we flew out to the lake and then saw some fish jumping out there. He was going to try to catch some fish. Well, we ended up needing it, so <laughs> I'll just leave that story at that. You're, you're going to have to wait till the film comes out okay, to see that, okay. but it's there you it's, go. Sure it's awesome. It. <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever had happen on a hunt, but yeah, nice. we ended up needing that fishing rod. Well, good but, stuff, good stuff. Well, let's take a quick break, and I want to pick your brain a little bit more. Okay, can do. 
All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, so let's kind of pull this back into like the interior of Alaska. Mm -hmm. All right, so what are like the primary fish that people can chase around like Fairbanks area or like kind of the interior region where we live? Um, and, and like just the general consensus of Fairbanks, if you want to talk about fish, um, you're looking at Chena River, mm -hmm. uh, Chattanooga River, um, Tananaw, and Chena Lakes, and then a variety of uh, public gravel pits that you can right, just go right. out to. Um, and those fish consist of uh, northern pike, uh, grayling, and uh, stock salmon, uh, stocked rainbow trout, and char. Okay. Um, yeah. That'd be uh, all that's around here. And any, any, for if, in case you didn't know this, mm -hmm. um, any like rainbow trout you catch north of the Alaska range are, are stocked. Mm -hmm. um, okay. There's yeah. no yeah. native rainbows north of the Alaska range, which yeah. a lot of people have no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that, honestly. Yeah. Um, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. Mm. I didn't realize how many of the, the lakes around here were stocked. I've, I've been on that website before, um, fairly recently, but, mm -hmm. um, and, and looked at, it. I was surprised to, to see that, you know, I always kind of just assumed it was, oh, there's fish in these lakes. Like, but no, that's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into, uh, like equipment and stuff like that for ice fishing in Alaska. I'm sure mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, similar equipment, all this, probably all the same stuff for, for lower 48. Um, is there anything additional that you would that you use up here like because of the elements or the cold or anything like that or um just specific to alaska um not 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 that i can think of i yeah. mean basic basic stuff uh going from like top to bottom um a tent whether it's mm -hmm. insulated or uninsulated all my tents are insulated that's got like the quilted right um, right tents on them um i use like a big buddy heater with the propane tanks i have a little um, extension or a little connector for the big tanks you can right. go, uh, all day and not worry about having to change these big little 15 bottles. pounders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Things that you'd use for your grill. Right. Um, and then, uh, uh, as far as like your ice auger goes, of course, uh, you'd want to bring an extension for the later seasons. Um, I yeah. think most ice augers, uh, cut up to like two and a half feet. That's like to, to where you're like very much bending over. I think you could punch through it like just under three feet like down <laughs> to the, the bit head, but then you're worried right. about like how much snow you have on top of the, mm -hmm. the, the ice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, as far as like just, um, rods around here, man, I love using like ultra light equipment. So all of my, uh, rods I use for the stock lakes around here are all like, uh, ultra light Abu Garcia, 
you know, ice, ice combos. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you hook on to like this 10 inch rainbow or like even a 12 inch rainbow or like a 10 inch uh, stock salmon. You just see this thing bend over like a pool noodle <laughs> and it is so much fun when these people yeah. are bringing up and they see the, the rod bend over like that. It just gets them so gassed up. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. But there's uh they got a light bite to them. So with mm-hmm. those ultralight tips, uh, you can really like see them smack that lure with oh, yeah. a light tip. Um, back in, you know, Illinois, uh, fishing for uh, panfish like crappie and bluegill. Mm. Um, we attached uh, what's called a spring bobber, uh, to your pole. Mm-hmm. Um, they make a couple different ones, but, uh, what I'm talking about, it's, uh, really a spring that's only about maybe two inches long, uh, that gets taped to the end of your rod tip and your line feeds through it. That way, when you see those really, really light strikes oh. and bites, uh, that little spring will twitch, twitch, twitch. Okay. Um, but you'll know that's, yeah. that's like, a, it's called a spring bobber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But other than that, I mean, for the local lakes around here, you really just need, I mean, the smallest auger that they make, which is like a six inch auger. I mean, it's not like you're going to be pulling up something crazy out of there. Right. Yeah. And the smaller the auger, uh, the easier it is to cut through the ice, obviously. I mean, you right. just, it's less yeah. ice you got to cut up, mm-hmm. less effort. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about, um, like what would you say, I mean, so the six inches would be good for the local lakes, but if somebody <laughs> was wanting to get into, say, an auger to do just about everything, um, have you found the eight inch ones to be? be sufficient for most things i know yeah. some people go up to like the 10 inchers and, yeah. and whatnot well um, with that being said i have an eight inch bit and i have a 10 inch bit yeah for my auger i bring the 10 i put i mean it's just a pin you pull and swap them out right. i bring the 10 out uh on the big lakes for the big pike and the, okay. the big yeah. lake trout um but around town um i use the eight uh and with that being said i've had a point in my life where all i had was an eight inch auger mm-hmm. um and when i go out to uh Harding, um, and I just want the. I know that there's an opportunity. I know that there's fish in that lake that won't fit up through an eight inch hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've pulled up fish that barely fit up through a ten inch hole. <laughs> um, and uh, with that, you drill double holes. Uh, you oh, just drill God, two yeah. holes like right right next to each other, like a figure eight style. Okay. Yeah. Um, I found like the best way to manufacture those holes. Um, I've tried. You know, I've I've always like just drilled one hole and then drilled another one right next to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way through. Um, most like best way to keep you and your stuff dry and free of all you know, flying water and debris. Um, drill one hole, just about an inch in, in just about an inch to where you're about to break through. And if you've dealt with an auger before in the past, you know, like, you know, that thing kind of starts binding up just when it's about to break through. It's kind of letting you know you're about to break through. Yeah. Um, I drill it just about an inch or two uh, before I break through, jump over, and drill my next one all the way through, and then go back and punch the last, you know, couple inches. That mm-hmm. way, when you go to drill that second hole, if you already have a hole punched through, water and slush is going to start yeah. flying everywhere <laughs> and get all over you and get all over your tent. And all over all your stuff, it'll douse your buddy heater, all your rods. It'll be a complete mess. But <laughs> I drilled, I drilled a lot of holes before I figured that out. I'm uh, like, man, maybe I'll try it this way. Yeah. Um, but now when I go out to the big lakes, I just bring the ten. Um, mm-hmm. That way, you know, I'm, I'm safe. Like, right, yeah, there, right. there are. There's probably a fish in that lake that won't fit through a ten inch hole. 
Um, but uh, you really have to worry about that once we get, you know, o- almost like two feet of ice. Because mm-hmm. once you get, you know, two feet between you and that fish trying to get his head up that hole, man, that's a task. Yeah, I bet. Own. I bet. Mm. Um, so what about like advanced kind of equipment that you've used up here? I mean, uh, you, you mentioned radars a couple times and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, and there is a variety of, of stuff on the market, whether it be, um, brand names like Vexlar, Markham, mm. uh, Garmin, um, Hummingbird. Myself, I have a Hummingbird Helix 7. Yeah. Um, the thing I love about this unit, um, as opposed to like your general, uh, I call them flashers, uh, fishing flashers. It's just a, a circle. It's a screen with a circle on it that marks bottom, marks the top of the water, marks your lure, and then uh, when it swims through, marks your fish or even like bait hmm. balls will mark bait balls through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I have a Hummingbird Helix. Um, the beauty I love about this thing is when I bought it, at, uh, it was for a boat, it has a boat transducer. Um, but oh. then I found on like Amazon, you know, they, they sell an ice fishing bundle and it's just a couple buttons. You play with your settings on the thing, it'll switch it to ice mode and Okay. Um, any like general ice fisherman who's who has like equipment just for ice fishing, um, they usually have like a flasher. It's just that like circle mm-hmm. deal. It's different than like your typical graph you would see on like a deep sea vessel yeah, where yeah, yeah. you get like the whole like moving plane of things like, oh, there is a fish back there a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing I love about mine is I can get both of those. Um, but both of those views on the same screen, I could put my flasher on mm. on the one side and have like that graph on the other side. Okay. Um, the beauty I love about that is be, uh, when I'm looking at the flasher, it's just marking what's there in like real time. Mm-hmm. The graph will show me, I mean, it's only a little bit of a window, but the graph will show me something that was just there. Maybe I just didn't see like, gotcha. oh, I, I turn around to open up my bottle of water, take a drink. I take my you know, eyes off the screen for just a couple of seconds and i look back and if you had a flasher nothing would be there right um but if you look on the graph you'll see just a tiny little mark just through there and like oh man maybe like there's something right there maybe mm-hmm. i'll reel up or drop down to that depth maybe work that depth um and uh, the thing about these ice flashers are especially with like boats uh the ones with boats um they have cone angles on them if you've ever seen a ice transducer it looks like a bell Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and the deeper you go, the bigger the cone angle gets. And on mine, it'll tell me, I like, I know, uh, if I'm in 90 feet of water, um, I can change my cone angle to a 15 degree or a, a 25 degree cone angle. And in uh, 90 feet of water, if I have yeah. a 25 degree cone angle, I can cover a 30 foot span uh, on the bottom. Now, if something comes within that 32 foot span and it's something sizable, it will show up on that. Maybe not extremely okay. hard, but it'll show you. Um, there's like three color variations red being the hardest, mm-hmm. um, yellow, and then usually like blue or green or something. Um, Does that tell you how far away it is from the, the it, sensor? Kind of, kind of, sort of. Red means it would be like right up underneath of it, yellow means it's within a few feet. Green and blue, it's just just barely picking it up gotcha. on the outskirts. Okay. Um, with okay. anybody fishing, um, especially like a serious, serious angler, uh, if you're using one of those units, let's say, I'm going to go back to 90, I'm going to fish in 90 feet of water. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fishing 90 feet of water. Let's say I'm down uh, 80, like 10 feet off the bottom. That's 
pretty much where everybody wants to fish when they're ice fishing is just up off the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's like something like, like you imagine us, us people walking across the earth. Where are we going to be at? We're on the bottom. We're, yeah. There's a very limited population of us up in the clouds, <laughs> you know, and an even very smaller population up in space, right up underneath the ice. You got to think that's like, that's, you know, fish, you know, okay. equate fish to people. So, yeah. so most, they're, they're not swimming up by the ice. They're swimming down low. Right? But there is a small population a small of people population. up in space. There is a small <laughs> there population. Is. There's that's people true. up there. That's people true. have been there. So why not? Why wouldn't there be people up there again? Yeah. So, that, or have al- we ever even been to space, Max? I, I was saying, al- allegedly. There's, <laughs> whoa, that's can of uh, worms opened everywhere. Or yeah, is there, there a space? We'll keep that. We'll keep that can of worms on the shelf. For <laughs> that's that's for the all other. Right. Sh- that's for the all other right. show. I'll, I'll, I'll tape the <laughs> lid back on that one. Maybe we'll have Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, on, on, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> maybe he can talk to you about space and time and continue. <laughs> But, oh um, boy! So, uh, so let's say I'm fishing 90 feet of water. I'm down 80, um, and I see a little something. It might not be right underneath where I'm fishing, but I see a little little flash of something come through, like 40 feet. Mm-hmm. Well, I could see there's within 30 feet of me. There ain't nothing down 80 where I'm fishing. I'll burn up to 40, work that water column mm-hmm. for a little bit, um, and maybe that'd be just enough for him to come back through right yeah, yeah. yeah. just gets attention yeah yeah hmm. gotcha. very interesting and so all you're doing for ice fishing obviously it's a vertical game you're not casting and then reeling in so it, it, it's a totally different style than that yeah. yeah so it's all just jigging it's tough too it's tough do you, you ever just drop a line down with some kind of a bait on it and then just let it sit just oh, idly oh, oh, pl- oh plenty plenty yeah. i think that's a that's a great tool to use for yeah. uh, um, pike mm. and, oh, okay. uh, and, and lake trout um, on the lakes that you can use bait. Oh, yeah. Of course, there are some lakes around here where you can't right. use bait. Yeah. But uh, the majority of ones I, I fish, you can use bait. I've been kind of, when I'm out there by myself, I've been kind of getting out of it. And um, I just think it's just so much stuff to keep track of. You know, like, mm. let's say I hook up onto a fish right here and 20 feet away, I see my uh, tip up. Yeah, uh, if you've ever used yep. a tip up, I was yep. just going to ask if you use tip ups. Yeah, yep. I see a tip up go off, you know, twenty feet away. From- mm-hmm. Oh, now now, now I'm like get- really in trouble, and that just circles back to the ethics thing, right? You know, mm, why right. why have that run off for you know fifteen minutes while I'm fighting this fish with a hook in his mouth, mm-hmm. potentially swallowing that thing? I have right. no idea how big that fish is over there. Um, but if I have a client out, you know, he's got his rod in his hand. I'll have a tip up out for him just to better his odds. I'm just trying to better his odds. Right, but right. I've caught plenty of uh, fish on um, like a full herring. Like I just go to the store and buy a herring. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, white fish is better if you could find it. That's just kind yeah. of what they're eating. That's a little more they're keen on. Okay. Um, you ever I, use that, uh, that scent lure that they sell at Sportsman's called butt juice? Butt juice, yeah, for like halibut and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. stuff used to be one of my all-time favorite bear baiting lures. Really? Yeah. The nice. grizzly bears love it. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It yeah. is okay. awesome. And Anything stinky. It stinks so bad. <laughs> oh, it stinks terrible. I'll never forget the first time Mariah and I went out bear baiting together that I brought a bottle of butt juice. I, I had walked into Sportsman's. I was walking through the section, grabbing some Batum 907 stuff, which is another one of our show sponsors here. Love, We've got love a, Jess. Love Jess. Yeah, She's yeah awesome. she is fantastic. 
Um, but, uh, you know, and, and just for a side note, we have a discount code for them, TNHP. You can get yep. a discount on all your Beta 907 products. You heard it here. You hear it here first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, back in the day, I was looking for more stinky scent. And uh, Sportsman's doesn't have nasty bore in the store uh, for health concerns, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, I asked the guy, I said, hey, where are the fishing uh, scents at? You know, some of those scent lures. And the guy just kind of looked at me because I had like a, a little hand basket just full of bear bait stuff, like anise yo-yos and blueberry yeah. sprays and some yeah. burn formulas. And he said, what do you need it for? I said, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buying it. <laughs> right? buying it. I need That's something why. that stinks like fish yeah. because I can't use fish parts, mm-hmm. but I can use stuff that smells like fish. I mean, if I could find a herring candle, I'd use that. <laughs> oh, yeah. As long <laughs> as there's not a burn ban in that area. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I went Just over and... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lord knows my wife has enough of those for the rest of us. But uh, anyway, so he took me over to the fishing section and he had some like little herring and then he had some squirt lures and then like that little pink paste. And I said, what's butt juice? And he said, oh, that stuff stinks. I said, perfect. I'll take two. Uh, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. They're like I'll 16. <laughs> it was like 16 bucks for a little pint bottle of yeah, it. Yeah. Took it out there and used up an entire bottle thinking that it would wash off. Mm. And it poured rain that week. We had it on a grizzly bear bait, and the grizzly bears just ruined that tree. Ooh. I just ruined mm. it. I mean, ripped it down. It was just a, it, it was half dead anyway, and it was just a little short tree that had gotten broken off, and they destroyed that tree. Just pulled it down, busted it up, claw marks all over it, and I thought, all right, I found, I found nice. the secret, <laughs> found the secret and formula. And that's probably something that, they haven't smelled before in that area. Oh, I guarantee they hadn't smelled it in that yeah. area. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you, you got to think and uh, if I, if I can correlate that to fishing for lake trout. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found in the past couple of years, if a uh, secret, if you want to, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Giving away all your secrets. Yeah. Out and there, and yeah. dude, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who no. uh, won't tell you anything. Yeah. Trying like, to hog it all for yourself. No, right. it, exactly. Cause right. where's. Like I would, I absolutely love, for instance, I had some uh, people that wanted to book me for fly fishing this season. I had the book stay. They were only here for X amount of days. I couldn't take them out. And they asked me, well, where could we go? Like we can't, they didn't want to drive all the way to Delta. I said, go here. I dropped them a point of like where to go. I sent them some pictures of some flies I had. I sent them some pictures of some jigs I had in the box. Hmm. I said, go ahead, man. Like, let me know how you do. And like, that was, that was when he sends me this picture of his wife with this grayling mm-hmm. in, in her hand, in her hand, he's like, I did everything you told me to do. I like, she casted it up river. She jigged it back, twitched it all the way back to her and she caught this thing. And man, I'm, I'm so thankful, dude. Can you, uh, can I, what's your Venmo? Can you Venmo me some money? I was like, dude, no, I'm just screenshotting this chat and I'm putting it on my Facebook because this uh, yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. I, like now that guy gets to say he took his wife out to go catch, catch a fish. And I think right, that's, right. that's, that's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it probably especially rings true to you because you came up here not knowing about how to go out and, uh, and do what you enjoy in this state. Yeah. And you yeah. didn't have a whole lot of people at the beginning that were willing to do that. So you no. just had to make your own way. Right. So now you're on the flip side of that. You have the ability to teach people and and provide information and education to folks. And so you enjoy doing that. And I I think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. But, um, so anyway, 
your secret going yeah going back to the the lake trout um yeah man let's say i'm 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 fishing someplace i've got my holes drilled out um all right i got one on the radar uh he's looking at me ah he didn't really like that maybe one comes by a little bit later looks at me ah he didn't really like what i was selling um bring it up change baits yeah. change baits mm-hmm. and it this is no secret you can google uh what lake trout like ice fishing lake trout um uh i don't know if i could say this on here if it's a sponsor or not but kodiak custom freaking tubes mm. white green mm. shark bruce uh, whatever with the red nose heck try pink yeah for all i care yeah mm-hmm. um the columbia river they have the same exact stuff made with like little fins on it i love those things green yeah. white um little swim baits green and white um it, it's no secret um Anybody can look up how do I catch lake trout. And yeah. There's a bunch of YouTubers out there who yeah. will show you like what they're using. Yeah. And they say if, if it ain't shark truce, it ain't no use. For, <laughs> yeah. For lake trout. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you see something down there and it doesn't like what you're selling, reel it up, change a bait, send it back down there because it very well could be the same fish that's mm. perusing the area. Yeah. You know, he comes by, he looks at this white tube, he leaves for 20 minutes he comes back looks at the same white tube again he's like nah i'm not falling for that yeah yeah leaves you drop a, a green little swim bait down there oh that's something different that wasn't right. here 10 minutes ago maybe yeah. i'll smack that yeah um mo- and it's, that's kind of what's correlating to your to your uh, baits for for bears yeah throw them a little curveball throw them a little something new yeah um mm. i think that's as far as especially in bait barrels go, uh, yeah. trying a little something new, yeah. Other oh, yeah. than the tried, true, and tested things, maybe, uh, and and that's what's uh going to broaden your horizons as an yeah. outdoorsman is yeah. not being so closed off, yeah. Not to accepting new ideas, maybe right. moving around, trying some different stuff. Yeah. You um, have to be able to adapt. Yeah, adapting, and and you'll find you will be so much more successful. I yeah. agree. Than just sticking to your roots and yeah, and uh, then you then you, next thing you know you're getting frustrated at yourself. Ah, what am I doing wrong? Right. And if you start switching and trying some new stuff out, you can be mad at yourself for oh, what am I doing wrong? But at least you tried something different. Right. Yeah. At least you know you're making keep, the best effort. Keep yeah. throwing stuff at the wall till something sticks. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And like <laughs> moving around. Um, yeah. If there's no bears in the area, move. If yeah. there's no fish in the area, move. But uh, yeah, I've always I've always said this thing. My worst thing I ever learned from my dad: I don't leave fish to find fish. Yeah. Well, sometimes, uh, sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes that's exactly what it takes. Like if I'm fishing, um, let's see, I get three fish on the radar. None of them bite me. I'll throw a curveball at them. None of them bite me again. Ah, screw these guys, man. Yeah. This is my crowd. <laughs> right. Not my crowd. <laughs> yeah. Go move, go move a hundred yards. Go try 10 different, like yeah. if, you're in, if you're in a hundred feet, go move to 90 feet. If you're mm-hmm. in 80 feet, go move out to a hundred feet. Yeah. You know, just try, move, bounce around. Yeah. Um, but if you're finding something consistent, you know, do try to stick with that for the day and it always varies per yeah. the day. Right. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. With, with anything you do. Mm. So I did have one question kind of along those same lines. I was watching a YouTube video. This was a, actually just like two days ago. Um, you were watching a YouTube video? I do that from time to time. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I, I consume other media other than just my own. I need to update <laughs> your trophy badge. <laughs> but um, we, uh, all right, this guy, he was riding around 
on this little sled ordeal on this lake, ice fishing. Mm-hmm. And he was showing off with his little system. He had a ice auger mounted, easy access. He had a radar uh, mounted, easy access. And he would just ride around and drill a hole, stick his radar down in there and start looking for fish. If he didn't see fish, he was moving on to the next place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that there's you know different trains of thought as far as how human activity affects fish movements and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I've been told kind of both ways, you know, people like him that might think they're going to drill a hole and be right on top of the fish. I've also heard from other people that you get, there's like a settling time because you're making a bunch of racket, you're drilling a hole, you're mm. making splashing mm-hmm. and noise. And if there is a school of fish right below you on the ice, they're going to scoot out of there and then they might come back and circle back around. So what, in your experience, what's, what's that been? You know, I've got a, I've got a prime example for this. I had this ex-girlfriend. Um, maybe, maybe she just didn't like to hear me talk or didn't like my taste in <laughs> <of> music, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'd go, we'd go fishing all it's the, the time. only two things. It could have it, been it, yeah. Right. Flip a coin and pick one. <laughs> but, uh, I would just be either talking or I play some music or something and she'd be like, oh, you know, it scares away the fish. And you know, that's what your parents tell you when you're a kid. Like, shut, <laughs> right, up, right. shut up. They just don't want to hear you talk. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's what she was doing to me. But she goes, oh, like, yeah, turn the music off or stop talking. Let's just be quiet and uh, blah, blah, blah. And that they'll be better fish. And I was like, oh, you know, well, okay, I'll, I'll, well, listen, honey. Mm. And, um, <laughs> well, we're out, uh, you know, we're out ice fishing one day and I was like, all right, Hey, we're going to move. Um, this is when I was able to pull the truck up onto the ice. Right. And, uh, I was like, Hey, just, uh, keep fishing. Um, I'm going to go turn the truck on and we get nice and warm for you. I'm going to start packing up everything. We don't need to actively fish right now. We'll, we'll load it up and then we'll just a couple hundred yards. Yeah. Um, with the truck running on the top of the ice, you know, I hear something. It's chasing me. It's chasing me. And ah, I got it. And I run around to the uh, open up the door, and there she is with the pole bent over, freaking big fish on. Nice. And yeah, after we a- landed that thing, and and you know, let it go, I looked at her. I'm like, see, you you don't think that truck messed with that fish at all, huh? That truck, you know, vibrating <laughs> right, on top right. of the ice. So, um, I would say to an extent, it probably does. It, it it to an extent, it probably does. Yeah. I know. Um, as far as like when I ice fished in the lower 48 for like crappies and bluegill. Um, like if I drill the hole down, mm. um, in let's say 10 feet of water. Yeah. Of course that's going to make some type of racket and it's going to kind of spook them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just hope that they kind of recongregate to where you were. Sure. And I think what, what, uh, you were maybe what that guy had with the fancy drill a hole and, uh, um, a sonar setup. Uh, there's this new equipment out. It's called Garmin live scope. Okay. Mm. Um, and what this thing is, it's, it's a transducer and, uh, most boat, like typical boat transducers and ice fishing flashers, they only give you a vertical reading, um, whether it's in like a couple feet and it's just, just, just straight down. That's all, that's all you get is straight up and down Gotcha. Right. with the new live scope stuff. Um, you could drill a hole, you could drop the transducer down. Um, and the little, ca- uh, the little mount that the transducer goes on, you could spin around mm. 360 degrees and it will shoot out your sonar at, a, at an angle, and it will tell you what is there within a certain you know, radius. Of gotcha. Okay. So you can drill a hole, and let's say I'm pointing my transducer towards you. I could see everything from the top of the ice down to 60, 70 feet, and 40 or 800 feet, 
your way out past that. Wow. I know a lot of guys who have been buying them and they're just so expensive. I would have one. <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody came to me and they wanted to trade, trade with me, I'm going to admit I would have one. Um, but like I've heard, I, I kind of stand by this and I've heard other guys kind of say this too. But in, in my opinion, it does take a little bit away from what ice fishing has been for years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I go out and I'll drill uh, five holes like every 10 feet and get like a good idea in my head what the bottom looks like. Either I'm on a slope or mm. um, sometimes it, when you really, if you've been around them enough, um, the bottom reading on those sonars will kind of give you a, either like a hard red, like a small hard red line. That's a hard, hard bottom. Okay. Um, sometimes it'll give you like a kind of a yellow, kind of a wide yellow and then a red bottom. That's kind of more uh, um, like, vegetation, yeah. maybe a yeah. little more silty, maybe a little more dirty. Okay. Um, you got to be around that equipment long enough to really know how to read those bottoms. But um, I, I do that when I drill those holes. I know if I'm working with like a hard bottom or like a lot of vegetation, I with those dealing with those lake try to kind of move off of the really vegetated areas. Gotcha. Um, but maybe that's what that guy had was a live scope. It could be, yeah. Um, and I think if if you're drilling holes to find fish like that, that is 100% effective. Gotcha. I mean, I've seen videos of uh, guys who, let's say they have a live scope where I'm sitting and they're pointing it towards you. They walk 20 feet towards you. Um, and like I said, that thing can pick up everything from the top of the ice, you know, however many feet that way. Mm -hmm. um, they can watch the auger bit go through the top of the ice and be like, they'll watch fish underneath the top of the auger and they'll watch the fish kind of like poof away a little bit really? and, they'll, and they'll, then they'll recongregate back. Yeah. But uh, that is such a, an huh. advanced tool guys are getting into nowadays. Wow. And they mount them on the boats too, uh, like your uh, trolling motor. They'll hook them up to like their trolling motors and huh. they'll like point the trolling motor in either direction. They'll look at this big freaking TV screen they got on the boat. <laughs> they'll see uh, a bass, pike, muskie, whatever on a bed, uh, however many feet away they'll point and you can tell what kind of fish it is. Oh yeah, like really? it's, it's well to to an extent. To an extent, yeah, to it the trained is, eye. Yeah, it is yeah. very very clear. No kidding. Like you'll be able to see if like let's say we're working with panfish, you'll be able to see a school of fish that you know are more circular in shape. No um, if you're kidding. looking, yeah, if you're looking for pike, <sighs> you'll see a fish that is more elongated in shape. Um, like wow. I even, I've even seen some videos of walleye where they see the big you know, crazy sickleback mm, yeah, uh, yeah. on them and just like, just kind of by the shape, they could tell it by <laughs> wow. that. No um, and I think it's so effective because when we're dealing with these typical flashers, just jigging up and down, when that thing disappears, you have like no idea. Like it's hard. You can't read the fish's body language by a little mark on a screen. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah. But yeah. when you're seeing this like live action of like what this fish is doing, maybe it's looking back at me and turning away. And then when I jig it, it turns back to me again. Um, and then maybe it, it just goes away, you know, out of my uh, vertical sonar. Mm -hmm. Well, I could take that live scope and then go look for him now. And oh, there he is. Now he's at my three o'clock over here running away from me that way. All right. I know that fish is long gone. Or he'll right. run over 50 feet this way and he'll sit there. Yeah. Like, All right. Now I'm going to go chase this fish. Now I'm going to go run over there 50 feet, drill a hole right on top of him and drop it on his head again. <laughs> But, but to me, like, I, like I said, I, I'll be the first to admit, Which, I'd have, 
Yeah. If I can afford it or if somebody just wanted well, to trade me. So I'd do and, and in theory, I mean, real, really, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that say that's cheating, right? Like, oh, that's cheating. That's, you know, that's not and really ice fishing. But it is. Like, in theory, it can be. I mean, most other styles of fishing, you're able to see the fish. Yeah. Like, you know, fly like, fishing. like with fly fishing and whatnot, like you're able to see how it's reacting to certain flies. Yeah. Change out your fly to change its reaction. See if it likes this or that. Yeah, um, yeah, one hundred. You know, put it right in front of its face, and, and like, so I mean, is it cheating, or See, is it just e- equating it to a different style of fishing? Do you think like, that at I, some point that uh, that live view system will get banned from ice fishing because ooh. of in the a disagreement in the fishing world? Because if there's one thing I know about fishing, it's that the ethics discussion runs hot in the fishing world. Yeah, especially mm. when using electronics. Especially electronics, yeah. especially the fly fishermen crowd. The fly mm-hmm. fishermen are like the archers of the hunting world. Yes. Like the bow hunters tend to be that, you know, kind of nose in the air. Well, very conservative, I, very I, ethical. I am a bow hunter. And yeah. <laughs> I am the most ethical of any of you. And they think they're mm-hmm. the most personal right. with the animals. Right. right. And so do you think that in the fishing world, because there aren't I, Relatively speaking, compared to big game hunting, there aren't nearly as many rules and restrictions and regulations about ice fishing as there are about hunting, right? Right. So do you think that uh, that you could see down the road when technology, because we all know technology is just getting better, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, we're going to have satellite abilities on our cell phones, and we're all going to be able to stay in touch even from sheep hunting without needing an inReach anymore. Mm-hmm. That that day will come, whether it's in our lifetimes or not. It right. will happen at some right. point. It'll be in Elon's life. But in the fishing world, you know, like like take for instance the uh the, the trail cameras. You know, yeah, like in, the cell phones. In, in several states now, uh was it Utah? I, yeah, I believe it, I was. it was. We I just talked about this it was a couple of weeks or ago. Idaho. I, I think well, it was Utah. I, I don't think it was Idaho, but it possibly Utah, but they banned the use of any trail camera during hunting seasons. Oh, yeah, any trail camera. Any trail camera, not just cell cameras. And then uh, uh, Boone and Crockett uh, said that there were no cell cameras allowed to be used in the taking of their Yeah, for the pursuit of any animal that was going to be entered in the book. And so Alaska has obviously, we all know that you can't use cell cameras for hunting now. That's cellular communication. Mm-hmm. That's how they categorized it. So do you think that there could be a day where they ban stuff like that in order to keep ice fishing ice fishing? Otherwise, there's really nothing harder about it than it is in the summertime when everybody has fish finders, mm-hmm. which they're not going to be able to regulate fish finders because half the boats that get sold nowadays come with them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your thoughts on that? Um, if I want to break it down, I could see the live scope uh capabilities being limited yeah um in that nature uh i do know that there are some like big name bass fishing tournaments down the lower 48 that have um excluded those from their tournaments right um, right like, do you like think typical- they could cut out like specific lakes and say on this like this, this is a trophy fish lake no electronic that that'd be just such hard thing to regulate and i and i don't and honestly, at that point, no electronics in general, I don't see the point. Like, mm. you're just taking that away from me and... Um, you're just going to go fish somewhere else. Well, I... 
I'm going to go fish that lake with the electronics. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, I'll, I'll take the, uh, like, I don't know what to tell you. I'll go try to hide the thing underneath the snowmobile or something and take my chances. But, um, I, I think in, I think in like the majority of these like trophy lakes, especially through the ice, I mean, anywhere, really anywhere in the United States you go that has ice yeah. that allows ice fishing. I think in most cases it is imperative that you have a sonar um, mm-hmm. to at least regulate depth because at that point, um, like, the, like you were saying with the boats, uh, if, if, if I'm a boater and I'm out, you know, cruising, looking for fish and let's say, I'm let's say I'm trolling, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to know my depth yeah. and, and right. Me, right. running aground. Yeah. I mean, you got to know your depth for running aground. Me too. Yeah. How would I, yeah. How would I know if I go out there and I do all this work to, shovel a hole off and, and drill a hole. And then, and then I drop my line down with a little weight on it, a little depth finder weight How like, Oh man, I just did all this work. I'm in five feet of water. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, right I got to go out and move. I got to go out and move. I got to go out and move. Um, but uh, it's just, it's just in the ice fishing world. I mean, ever since I grew up, I had a little fishing finder. My okay. dad always had a little flasher. Okay. It is, it, I think it's extremely imperative that you have some sort of electronic to at least at least find your accurate depth. We can all do, you know, this with our arms and, you know, gauge five and a half feet, six feet. Um, when we go to pull up our line, when we're checking our depth. Yeah. Um, I can see in the ice fishing world, maybe not in like our civilian, just average Joe, uh-huh. um, world. I don't think that would be, uh, uh something that would get banned, um, electronics wise, like just mm. general electronics. But I do see, uh, as far as like tournaments go, or mm. maybe even if you want to be sticklers, maybe even some trophy lakes, like no live scope capabilities. Like I could see that stuff getting mm-hmm. kind of putting the, get the kibosh put on them, if you will. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but no, I, I, and I tell people that go fish harding, um, they ask me, Hey, <clears throat> you know, can you give me any tips? And the first thing I ask them, well, do you have a, any type of sonar? Mm, um right and if they say yes i say great that's half the battle and if they say no i say well i just frankly honest with them like you are going to have a very very tough time fishing uh-huh. that lake and then i tell them if you don't have a sonar and you are like dead i just want to go fishing and i want to go fish on this lake because i know that there's big fish in there um if you're going to go out there fishing with no sonar the best you can do if i was going out there blind um, I drill my hole. I would try to find but what I could tell would be 80 or uh, 70 to hundred feet of water. And what I would do is I would drop my bait all the way to the bottom and I would reel it up like reel, reel, like five feet at a time, hit the brakes, jiggle, reel, reel, mm. five, hit the brakes, jiggle all the way to the top of the ice and then send it right back down. And I would do that all day. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I would do that all day. Just I would keep just it moving. Keep, keep it in front it moving, of them. Yeah. Keep it moving. Keep yeah. it moving. Yeah. Cause that's, you got to imagine if I'm a fish, especially if when I, when I've got one on sonar, um, trick is getting them to like chase you. You're right. Yeah. Chase you around. Um, think of a, think of a wounded bait fish. Um, mm-hmm. like, and you see it, I see it especially down like the, um, in like the wild and like, uh, the, uh, saltwater. Yeah. Um, any, let's say we got a pot of fish swimming with some sharks. Yeah. Um, these fish are, uh, 
food to these sharks. But the sharks know that that fish is not wounded. It has plenty enough energy to run away from it. And the shark knows it's going to be basically wasting all of its energy trying to chase down this full, healthy fish. Yeah. Now, as soon as one of those fish has the has a bad wiggle to it as soon as you uh maybe put like a little harpoon as soon as there's that little bit of blood in the water those sharks will key in on that and they're gonna go for that messed up fish mm-hmm. right. now if i take that to uh lake trout and, and harding lake um i'm not totally just screaming them away from them like just you, they will chase you as fast as you can reel but the the whole intent is to get them to bite you so you want to reel away from them and you want to think like you're running and oh, I'm getting out of breath. Oh man, I got to stop. And then the, those things will be right on top of you like that. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of like one of those other secrets. Yeah. I want to <laughs> give out a good secret is getting them to chase you, acting like you're running out of steam. Yeah. And then eventually like you got to think of a bait fish going mm. full tilt, losing it, losing it. All right. I'm totally out of breath. And then I'm kicking, I'm kicking. I'm just mm. trying to do anything I can to get away from this big fish chasing me. Um, and that's when they're going to, that's when they're going to smack so you're you. You're creating yeah. a scenario. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, and it's when we were saying this vertical versus casting, um, it's so hard to get, to get like a natural presentation on this mm. vertical, uh, this vertical jig. I mean. What bait fish do you see out there right, that right. swims from a hundred <laughs> to ten feet straight up without diverting left or right? Um, so you gotta accurately represent uh, a, a wounded fish as in like losing some steam and then those final twitches and gotcha. And I'll tell you, I could say this, I could give everybody the keys <laughs> on how to fish this out there, but there's days I go. And I put exactly what I just said into action out there and they'll come up and they'll get, you know, five, six inches from that thing, like right on yeah. it and they'll turn away and swim off. And then you're sitting there scratching your head, like, what the heck did I do wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's nothing. You did everything perfect. It's just. That's that, fishing. That, yeah. And that fish is a wild animal. Yeah. Like, who knows what that thing is actually going to do? You're lucky to just get one to chase you. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's the same in the hunting world. I mean, exactly. You know, so you can do everything right and that moose exactly. just never comes close Why, enough. Like, like if, if I don't go and chase that, that let's say this bear I see is a mile away from me and he's, and he's walking away from me. Why not go chase him? Mm-hmm. Like, why not? He might stop. He might stop. He might <laughs> yeah. stop, take a, take a nap. He might put his nose to the sky and smell something. He might turn around and walk right back toward you. Mm-hmm. You never know. Go close the distance enough to where you think, all right, this is all right. But you yeah. got to try. Right. Like, you got to try. Now, mm-hmm. you'd mentioned the, the depth, you know, the, the 70 to 90 feet, somewhere in there. I mean, mm-hmm. is, that, is that like where you're finding, I guess- realistically that'd be more specific to a deeper lake like like yeah hardy yeah sure but like is it typically speaking i mean the deepest point of the lake is where you're looking for when you're going no no or is it is there like a sweet spot there uh no not necessarily um if, I, if i'm talking about harding i mean i've fished anywhere from 15 feet deep to the deepest point which is 145 feet deep wow um that's a deep lake i've caught them six inches below the ice and i've mm-hmm. caught them on the bottom and i've caught them everywhere in between gotcha um another secret <laughs> another secret <laughs> um 
I I will say if I'm fishing that like hundred foot range, I find a lot of my fish that I'm picking up on radar that I can get to chase and actively bite are coming somewhere like mid mid water column. Mm. Um, let's say a hundred feet, I'm seeing them uh seventy two feet. Up. Okay. Um, and kind of caveating off of what I said earlier. Um, if you see something, if you're fishing at eighty feet and you see something come through at 40, rip up through it. Right, yeah. Like rip up through it. You know, never know what, like, because he doesn't see your bait way down there. Mm-hmm. But I will say I've had my bait up like 40 feet, and they come through at 90, and they come up, like, with force. Right, yeah. And you got to think uh, that water out there is so clear. You might only be able to see, uh, at least in my experience, uh, when I drop it down, I like to know how, how clear the water is. I drop my lure down. Um, I could see the lure. I just stopped seeing the lure on twenty five feet. Mm. Mm-hmm. That fish, that's that fish's element. Um, it knows everything that's in that lake, and and it, you know, me. I have like my like I'm looking through clouds. Yeah, uh, for me, but that fish, that fish can see a lot farther than I can. Um, and I've seen fish, you know, come through forty feet down below me and come through up. Like knows I'm there and comes through up with with a passion. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 honestly absolutely it's absolutely insane. I've pulled fish up off the bottom in 110 feet of water. Yeah. Made them chase me all the way up to 20 feet, and that's when I stand up and look down the hole, <laughs> and you see them coming from the depths, man. Yeah. Like it owes you money. Or, <laughs> like, and, and, or like uh, you owe it money. Yeah, like yeah. I owe it money, man. It's coming. It's coming for me. Yeah. Um. And, and man, I just absolutely love chasing those fish on that body of water because there's, if you watch any like YouTube videos out there, like lake trout fishing, uh, you look at like uncut angling or like Jay Mm -hmm. Siemens or, uh, um, Clayton Schick, you know, all these like big names I'm rattling off. Um, you'll, you'll see like when they get on a fish on radar, it's like, they don't pull that thing away from it at all. Mm -hmm. They wiggle it, you know, within a foot of it the entire time. And eventually they're going to get a strike. This is the only body of water that I've been able to see in any like YouTube videos I've been able to like watch that, that even correlates to where you have to make that fish chase you Yeah, and make it chase you, make it close that distance. Um, otherwise I, they're going to come rush right in. They're going to get six inches from it. Mm-hmm. They're going to turn away. Yeah. Uh, unless you have like some kind of bait, unless you have right. some kind of like, non-artificial lure right um, but kind of yeah butt juice or a full herring <laughs> or just a full herring full herring yeah. shrimp i've seen people yeah. using shrimp and yeah. stuff something like really yeah. soft and something that actually has taste to it yeah and, yeah. and all those regulations if anybody's listening in, in the state i mean you can find all of that online you know yep. you, you, in most of the the lakes the bigger lakes will have a sign that'll break down the regulations for you too yeah right what, at what the kind of launch. what kind of hooks you can use if you can use bait or not mm-hmm. and stuff like that so just make sure you're you're playing within the rules that we don't get hung up doing anything illegal yeah um so let's let's break this down for anybody let's say new to the state mm-hmm. you know i mean you and i were both gis came up here yeah. um know what that feels like to kind of be in a new area um so let's let's break it down so for for the new guy in the interior of alaska or really i mean i guess most of this applies to anybody ice fishing anywhere uh what would your recommendations be for let's say like We'll probably stick to like tents and I'd actually like to pick your brain about sonars. Mm-hmm. Um, 
entry level, intermediate, and advanced. Yeah. Like, like, like what should somebody start with if they're just wanting to dabble their, dip their toes yeah. in the water, see if they even like it. It's not going to be the most expensive thing, but it'll work. Yeah. Of you know, course. up to the more advanced yeah. stuff. Um, if we're talking about tents, um, I'm sure like Eskimo now is a household name. Yeah. Um, and ice fishing gear in general. Um, they have like, I think it's called like the quick fish Two. It's like the smallest, most portable, lightest tent they make. Mm -hmm. I don't even think they insulate them. Um, but you can get that, uh, paired with, uh, um, uh, the buddy heaters make them. It's like the portable buddy. Um, okay. It's like yeah. a single burner that oh, sits that. on top of a one pound propane yeah. tank. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've used those. I've, uh, yeah, I use those for, that was my first heater I had up here when I had my right. little, my little tents. Yeah. Um, that if you're looking for one of those like flipovers, Eskimo makes one of those. It's called the Sierra. Okay. Um, I had one of those for the longest time until um, I upgraded. The thing I like about what now I have is an Escape uh, 2600. Um, what I like about my Escape is I can actually stand up in them. Um, the doors are up along the sides, mm -hmm. so I don't have to cross over my holes or over the heater or over my sonar to get out the, the front door of the Sierra. However, I had one of those for the longest time. I absolutely love those flipovers. Um, you can throw everything you own in the in the sled of the Sierra, throw a cover <laughs> on it. They're completely covered up by any snow or wind or any other BS that you're going to be either towing behind a machine or just walking and kicking up into the thing. Right, yeah. Um, I know Fraybill makes uh, tents. They, they make a, a, it's like a quick, uh, some type of pop-up tent, but, their their sled is a lot more narrower. It's a lot more uh, lighter, more okay. compact. Um, and those those are quick set up. You stand, you can actually stand up in them. The sled itself, uh, they have holes that pop out in the bottom of them, mm. so you're fishing in the sled. Oh, itself. really? No yeah, kidding. Oh, yeah, they're sweet. <laughs> That's that slick. would be that would be more of like intermediate thing. Um, I think Dave Jen's uh, Dave Jen's fish trap. I don't know if they. I think they still make those, but. Hmm. Uh, those are great. My dad had those when I was a kid. Okay. And he had a he had a pair of them um, that he would you know outfit us and a who would just come with nothing. <laughs> um, and, and and he was never a, a fishing guide up until this recent year until he uh, retired and he started guiding now. Oh, so. nice. But um, you got a whole family of fishing guides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My brother, me, my dad. Um, but yeah, on the intermediate level, you know, any of those like quick fish two, three tenths. Mm -hmm. that are non-insulated um gosh i mean that it's the lightest easiest thing they're small but if you're just going out by yourself you don't need you don't need much and those right. quick fish twos they could fit you and a small child in or like a dog or something okay yeah um i know plenty of guys have dogs and they just want to go take their dog out on the ice you know they throw a blanket or their little bed down they yeah keep them nice and warm and off the ice that's a big thing if you want to bring dogs out as getting a mat or something right. for them to sit on. Yeah, so make sure just, they're not just bare pod on the ice. Yeah. Um, and then like as far as like intermediate goes, uh, I think the Eskimo, the Eskimos, um, they make a uh, a quick fish six. It's like kind of like a double hub. Mm. Um, they also make uh, like a five-sided like Pentagon uh, looking one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, those are, those are not, I can't remember the exact name of those, but those are nice. They're a little heavier. Uh, you can get them, you can get them uh, in the insulated versions. Okay. And I will say, if you're very serious about ice fishing, I would definitely recommend you kind of upgrade to an insulated tent, especially um, for the temps we have here. Yeah, especially yeah. especially for that. Uh, it just keeps a lot of the. If you have a non-insulated tent, 
you'll see if, if you're using propane heat and you know propane uh, emits condensation yeah um frosts up the inside of the tent um then when you bring it inside all wrapped up it's gonna thaw it's gonna get everything wet you're never ever gonna get it really dry gotcha um the yeah. thermals do it as well but not not as bad they hold a little bit more heat a little bit better and a good way to prevent that condensation is leaving a window open or leaving ventilate. Yep, yeah, they all they all have little f- vent flaps on them, mm-hmm. leaving those open. Um, and if you're going to be like master, like you are going, you're you're either guiding or you are just extremely passionate and you want to be as comfortable as possible. Um, they uh, any any one of those intermediate tents I, I just mm-hmm. labeled off would be great for you. Um. But a uh, little thing, little thing to upgrade yourself with. You can go to any home supply store, um, uh, you know, hardware store. They just about all have them. If you can't find them there at your local place, go on Amazon. Uh, these little foam workout mats, the ones that little pop mm. right into each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, like, really? Yeah, little half inch thick foam mats, like the little gym floor. Yeah, mats. Exactly, yeah. exactly what they yeah. are. Um, they yeah. fold up into a you know a pack. You only need like a pack of four of them and i think they're like two by two yep. yeah so a pack You're of four right. of them covers what like 16 square feet maybe i'm wrong i'm chicago public school system failed me, so, <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe i'm wrong on that but that is such <laughs> oh boy i that, didn't expect that one. that is such That's funny like if you uh can get some foam mats that's going to make your experience so much more enjoyable putting it down where you stand, maybe where mm. your sonar goes, or where the heater down. goes. Yeah, kneeling yeah. down. Well, it just keeps your right. feet up off of the ice. It insulates right. it. And if it's you a can- huge difference. Oh, a massive difference. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been like doing a lot of lake camping where mm-hmm. I just take the, um, my escape, the flip over. Um, I line the entire bottom with uh, those mats uh, with the heater. The heater dries them all out. Um, in my flip over, I can fold up one of the chairs and run a cot lengthwise mm-hmm. across the side. So the cot would cover uh, up about half the length of the tent. I can sit up in my chair, fish my one hole, get up in my cot, move my heater around so everything kind of fits, uh, move the sonar up onto the chair because I'm not using it because I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a uh, nice, yeah, right on. Um, yeah, so. I know I've looked at it. It's I think it's Eskimo. Do you know what the difference is between the fast fish and the fat fish? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, the that that those were the names I was trying to think of. Okay. I think the fast are the non-insulated. The okay. fat fish. Uh, I could be completely wrong. I know. Um, in their like nomenclatures, you'll see like an I at the end. Yeah, of, yeah, like, that yeah. That is the insulated. Okay. Um, yep. The fat fish is the one I was uh, highly recommending. That's like the okay. Pentagon or like the. The gotcha. seven, five to, five yeah, to seven-sided ones. Yeah, they're, they're great. And they've made some new doors on them now. If you've ever been in an ice fishing tent, you know they got those like triangle doors mm-hmm. to where you have to like zip up the top, unzip the bottom, and then step over the actual uh, corner of the tent. Um, they've made some new doors on them now to where there's an actual door where you unzip it from the bottom all the way to the top, and there's no nothing connecting the corner there, and you can just walk right through it. Well, okay. Not have to step over anything. Um, I fished in those. I really like those. Mm-hmm. Um, the more newer tents that they're building now all come with uh, gray interiors as opposed to black. That way, if you have some sort of light in there, right. like, 
You know, if, if you've ever been in like a black ice fishing tent, you open up a like window. A cave, yeah. Yeah, it's still yeah. like you open up like one window and then that's all it is. A beam <laughs> of light comes in. It doesn't light up <laughs> like anything Like an Indiana else. Jones movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Going into the uh, the caves. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the gray interiors uh, have been great for like you open up a window and it lights up the whole thing. Yeah, refracts um, the light around. Yeah, yep. if, you're, if you're getting into like really serious, especially like overnight camping. Mm. Um, I've bought a, a wood-burning stove fan that I've kind of modded out yeah. a little bit. I've cut a little slit into, and I put it on the Mr. Buddy heater, um, and that uh, pushes air around. They make the little battery-operated right. okay. fans you could hang up in the top of your tent to push the heat down to you. Um, yeah, those floors mm. make a huge difference. Um, yeah. And if you're, if you are so inclined and you're, a little more versed into sewing than I am. Um, you can go mm. out and buy a wood burning stove, uh, cut a hole for a jack, and put the. I was just you know, they sell them at hardware stores. Yeah, it's a little stove, a little, uh, rubber stove jack for tents. Yeah, you can go mount one in there yourself. Do you, do any of them come with stove jacks? I was gonna. That was literally gonna be my next yes. question to you because yes. a lot of us have wood stoves that we'll bring for certain tents that we have. Yes. Be it, you know, wall tents or teepees or something. Um, something I totally didn't think of. There's this newer company I've seen the last couple of years called Lost. Uh, they're the okay. green. They're the green tents. Oh yeah, um, they've got those at Frontier, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or at yeah. the at um Sportsman's. Is it Sportsman's? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, they got them at Sportsman's. Um, some of those models come with a little wood stove jack. Mm. Um, another thing I left out, I, I meant to touch base on, but the Otter, Otter, they make uh, uh tents as well. Oh, do they? Um, not I think just the, sleds. Not just sleds. Um, yeah. They make the Otter Pro Lodge and then they make the Pro Lodge XL. Okay. Um, those all come with gray interiors. I think they even come with like a little orange flag, a little reflective flag to hang up outside. Huh. That way nobody's cruising across the lake in the pitch black and they yeah. smoke yeah. your tent. Right, the right. Um, those are great tents. I know a lot of guides down in the Kenai Peninsula and Anchorage area use those. Okay. I've heard some great things about them. And they make them from, you know, the big ones to the small ones. What um, kind of a price point are those looking you know, for your otters, uh, I would say they're up in uh, those that Pro Lodge. I think last time I saw one of those was like five to six hundred dollars, okay. and the XLs were, you know, eight. Um, right. Yeah. Typical like flipovers. I think my Escape, uh, you're gonna pay like seven hundred bucks for. Mm-hmm. With, but that's with the sled and the seats and everything. Full package. Full yeah. package. They make a. There's actually a otter makes a, a three man flipover. Okay. I think Eskimos they just make up to a two. But like the biggest two man they make, it's a it's the Taj Mahal man. I'm right, talking yeah. like it is an absolute Cadillac <laughs> to be in, especially if you have two people, you have all the space in the world. Right. But the otters, uh, they have like the big heavy duty sled, three seats in them, um, all the room in the world to work around in them. And the Lost Creeks, uh, they're pretty newer company. They, from what I've seen, they have a much better price point. I couldn't tell you anything about the customer service rating through them. Right. Right. Um. But uh, those Lost Creek, I think those like five sided hubs uh, with the stove jack in them, you're looking at like five, five fifty. Last one I saw. That's doable. Oh, that's totally yeah, doable. Yeah. I mean, it's just an it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, you know, look on marketplace, look on Facebook, yeah, Craigslist. Right. You know, um, there's, there's always a, people coming and going. There's always <laughs> people coming and going, especially if you live in one of these military states. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh? Let's let's jump off into sonars. Um, and and whatnot. If somebody's looking into even just a basic one to find out their depths and, and yeah. maybe see some grainy images or something like that. Like, so Lowrance makes a pretty affordable sonar. I think they're close to like 200 bucks 
like the, the hook two. Um, okay. It might not give you the, the typical ice fishing flasher, uh, but it'll give you the graph and really that just about works the exact same. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Vexlar makes some kind of lower end uh, f- ice fishing flashers, but they're kind of jumping up in price, like close to $350, $300 range uh, yeah. for the Vexlars, which is, which is great. I mean, I've used those ever since I was a little kid. Um, Markham kind of makes the, the same kind of lower, lower end, uh, price point ones, but then you have like their, they've got one that's got like an led screen as opposed to, uh, uh, if you've ever looked at an ice fishing flasher, especially the old style ones, it's not a LCD screen. Um, it is a, what it is, is it's a mechanism in on a spinner, like mm-hmm. a, like a clock and the spinner will spin and flash with lights on it. Okay, yeah. And um, they're like uh, typical like LED bulbs yeah. in there that spin and flash. Gotcha. And if you sit there and look at one of these flashers all day <laughs> long, <laughs> you will see them in your sleep. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. Like you will close your eyes and all you will see are reds, greens, and blues, and yellows. And it is, oh gosh, it is, yeah, like you said, mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah. But um if you're if you're a little older and you want to just kind of keep the eyes in check, um, go to like one of those LCD screens. Mm. Um, right now, I run a Hummingbird Helix Seven, um, and like I said, I bought this thing for the boat uh, mm-hmm. originally, mm-hmm. and then was playing with the settings and saw, oh, ice mode, what's this? Gotcha. And then all you needed to do was buy a, a, a the a, the sonar package. It's like another hundred and twenty bucks, and then you gotta get the battery. It's another mm. hundred bucks typically mm, yeah yeah um on for the longest i can remember i've always used uh lead lead acid batteries okay. yeah um in the last few years as you probably know they've uh, started coming out with lithium lithium ion stuff yep. um lithium takes weight down by like almost 70 percent i remember lugging my mm-hmm. my old uh, little hole hopper setup uh with my old vexlar mm. and just remember this thing weighing a ton wow um, and now i switched over <laughs> to my lithium and I feel like I can throw this thing around and not have a care in the world. The right. only problem with those lithium batteries, um, they'll give you what's called a false read on a lot of your system setups. Um, the way the lithiums are designed are they are designed to be they're putting out all the power they can up until you know they're they're going down. Um, gotcha. So when I'm using my flasher, you know I can get about. Uh, 28 30 hours out of mine um and then within about a 30 minute time period i'll i'll, I'll look over my 100 yeah. will go to 80 right and i'm like uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh i'm like oh great and then they'll go from 80 and you'll you could just watch it tick down 78 yeah. 75 yeah. and like you turn around you come back Oh, 60. No, <laughs> no, like it's going down. And, um, I'm not ready, but yeah, I don't want to go home yet. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the lead batteries, they'll, they'll give you a good, uh, reading as far as up until they're dead. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> that's just something you got to be mindful with the lithiums. Um, you want to talk gotcha. about, you want to talk about augers now? We can. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if there's, how many different kinds of augers there are but plenty plenty yeah <laughs> sure yeah um gosh i started out with a, a propane auger and if you're looking to, like just get into it um either that or like if you're just like want to try it out you don't you don't know if this is going to be your your sauce or not mm-hmm. um get a hand 
auger. I was, I was say I started on a hand auger. Yeah, get a hand <laughs> auger, especially if you have those like small ice fishing seasons where you don't get yeah. more than eight inches of ice. Right. Eighty bucks ain't hard to spend on a little hand auger to drill That's through a, the yeah. tank of gas these days. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and and really, like you said, if it's only going to be less than a foot thick of ice that you're dealing with, it's not that hard. Yeah. You'll get through it quick. With a sharp blade. Oh yeah. yeah you'll you'll be in like flint. Um. But uh, if you're you know getting a little bit more experience, you want to have a nice heavier duty or auger. Mm. Um, propane's a good way to go. I, I like the propane augers. Mm. Uh, they start easy. Um, as far as the cold goes, uh, as you know, like uh, propane is a liquid, right? Um, liquid gas. Um, the colder it gets, the more gelled up it gets, and it gets yeah. a little harder to start it. Mm -hmm. You know, from what I've seen, it's really hard to get those propane augers started at about. Uh, 15 below and, okay. and down, it's a little harder to get them to start, but I take them, put them in the jacket for five, 10 minutes, shake yep. it up, just yep. shake it up right, and it gets right. released. Those yep. gases a lot yep. easier. Um, and then you're also running your buddy, most buddy heaters, you're running off the buddy heater anyway. Yeah. So you've already got propane yeah, with so you. You're, yeah. No, no need to bring two different yeah. sets of tools. Um, mm. there is, uh, uh, Are lots of two, what? Oh, oh, I was going to say, do they tend to be more expensive or cheaper than the gas varieties? The propane, they're right up there with them. Right maybe, about the same, maybe same price. Maybe like $50 more if okay. you were looking at it from like a two-stroke to but a comparable. propane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, gosh, I've been like diverting people away from two-stroke engines on those things. One, really? they're loud. Um, let's say a lot of people like get a little overzealous. They set up their tent first. They want to know where all their holes are. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they drill the, the whole the holes inside of the tent. Oh, oh my gosh. Man. They'll, smoke, they'll smoke you out, man. They'll smoke you out. <laughs> I bet. But, uh, yeah, they're loud. Uh, they're just a pain in the butt to start. I, uh, I always yeah. think of a chainsaw trying to start a chainsaw. <laughs> right. just, at 20 below. At 20 below. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it just <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Um, and then you're dealing with the, uh, gas and oil mixture. And yeah. That's just always yeah. a pain if you're just trying to get a little more streamlined right um so how much on average for say uh i don't know let's just pick an in-between size diameter for a for a bit size say an eight inch auger you walk into the store and you just want to buy one you don't want to go buy the i don't know the the pro tournament model but you don't want to yeah. buy the one that won't start when it's below zero yeah <laughs> so how much in, middle of the road for an eight inch auger are you looking at getting out the door well uh a couple years ago i picked up uh, a jiffy they make a four stroke auger mm -hmm. um i have taken that thing out at uh temps as low as 40 below and started that thing up within three pulls wow um the beauty Whoa. between the beauty of that auger is uh you can't over prime it they have a little primer button mm -hmm. you can't over prime it um so it won't let you flood it um yeah. they got a great little choke system on it and i think i walked out the door with that thing with like 450 bucks maybe oh. ask your yeah, uh, family not. for a gift card <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. get it down a little bit but uh the propane you know they'll, they'll be right up there in that like 400 dollars range too okay um for like an eight inch bit auger now so they for, make them in a 10 too yeah for folks listening around the fairbanks area where is the best place in town to to buy augers that would be uh frontier outfitters mm -hmm. uh they're off third street yeah um also you know sportsman's carries a big line of uh augers over there too as well yeah they 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 they've got a couple. Yeah, they tend to what be. What about sold like out a big lot. rays? Do they sell them? I don't. I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't believe yeah. so. I don't think I ever seen them there, but I've never looked. Either. The best place in town for uh, those jigs I was talking about are the Kodiak Custom Tubes. Um, would be at Big Rays. They sell just mm -hmm. about all of them. Okay. 
um columbia river tackle company that would be at uh frontier mm. um and swim baits gosh you can get those just about anywhere i like right. the storms um that's why i use a lot of the storms um my favorite colors are white just like pure white swim bait okay. um either like three-eighths of an ounce up to an ounce and a half ish mm. um mm. but yeah if i had to give you three top lures for catching lake trout in the area um number one would be uh Kodiak Customs uh green donkey tube. I call it a I call it <laughs> yeah, I call it the WMD. <laughs> yeah. And uh I my, my my big Laker box I got, I call that the football because it's like the size of a suitcase, you know. Um but yeah, the green donkey tube from Kodiak Customs. Number two would be uh a white um three or a four inch sculpin jig uh-huh. from Columbia river. Mm, yeah. And, uh, number three would be, uh, the one ounce storm white, white shad, uh, jig. Okay. Yeah. Um, right it was like, like four or five inch long. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. That's good information. Yeah. And then as far as any other equipment you might need, rod and reel, it's all pretty much just whatever you find. Yeah. I mean, de- uh, dependent. Um, yeah. I mean, you could find if you're just, just starting out, dude, go to, Go to Frontier. They got some really cheap rod and reel combos. Yes. There, some of them already have line. It's like a nice little light light rod with like four pound test on it for like fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. You ain't gonna go wrong with one of those. Um, if you want to change out your line, I'd recommend uh, if you're fishing for the small stuff, just put on some like regular old uh, ice fishing uh, four pound test line. Mm. Anything more than that, uh, like you got to imagine that thing sitting there all all summer long. The, uh, yeah, that thicker line will kind of bind and it'll leave a big spring oh, okay. in your line when you go to fish for it. So you really won't see a bite, and you'll have all this slack to pull up when you go to set the hook on a mm-hmm. little fish. So, do you like mono line mostly for ice fishing, or what? Do yeah, you do? I mean, it, yeah. yeah, for the average guy, mono filament line. It, mm-hmm. The price points there. I mean, it's been around forever. It ain't gonna fail you, right? Um, when I'm fishing for my big lake trout and pike. I run a 20 to 30 pound power pro backing, tie that to a barrel swivel. Mm-hmm. And then I run, um, I about the length of my, my rod is a good, always a good place to just start, but usually like 38 inches, uh, just about a three foot, um, 15 to 20 pound fluorocarbon leader. Okay. Um, and then I tie that directly to my jigs. I don't like, I just don't, don't like, like the clips. No, I yeah. just, that's one, it's one more thing to fail yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, two, uh, the profile, I just don't want something else on there. I just yeah. want to tie yeah. it to the lure. Gotcha. Um, don't want anything to look not That makes good, good sense. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I know I've heard people say that about grayling fishing too. Grayling can be very particular. Yeah. So, um, tying straight to, to your, your piece there is, is what you want. You don't want to use a leader, a steel leader. You don't want to use any of those clips yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, cool. You got any other tips for, for new beginners? Anybody who's um, just wanting to get out there? Yeah. D- uh, the biggest thing is to get out there. Yeah. Um, gosh, find a friend, find some family that would be willing to go half in on you with, for some equipment. Um, sure. Find a guide. Um, yeah. like you can contact me, um, my, on my Instagram or my Facebook page. My name is Maxwell step. Um, I think my Instagram handles like Jr. jaws on, um, yeah, like hit me up with questions, guys. I yeah. love yeah. answering questions. Um, the biggest the biggest thing I get out of it is watching somebody else catch a fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. If uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, uh, 
and just want some info, please hit me up. Or mm-hmm. uh, if you'd like to come book a trip, please come do it. Yeah. I'd love to take out do, new people. Do you have a website or anything like that? Uh, or is it just your, just your socials? I'm pretty cheap. So I <laughs> I, anything free advertising, there I love to use. But uh, I'm on Facebook at Steps Guided Adventures. Okay. I know it's a little pretty low-hanging fruit. but Yeah. <laughs> and your last name is spelled, Step. as people will see in the title of the show, is right. S-T-E-P-P. Yep, that's me. All Two right. P's. Double P. Step double P. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Tigger, right? T-I-double-gut. I don't know if you could say Her. that. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, oh, Tigger. Tigger. Tigger, yes. Like yes. from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yes, yes. Man. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, so, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> so steps guide service. Is that what you uh, said? Steps guided adventures. Steps guided guided adventures. adventures. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I follow you on Facebook. Thank you. So appreciate I, it. I haven't been on Facebook in months, but I will go follow you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on there for the marketplace. You, you said you're on Instagram too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. All right. Well, I, we really appreciate you coming on the show today, man, and sharing your your secrets, your your knowledge, your information. Yeah, uh, just on, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, no. Just, <laughs> what, what's said in this room stays in this room, uh, right? Yeah, like, I no, I, <laughs> I better scratch the last three plus hours. Man, uh, no, I, I just want to say I really appreciate you guys having me on here and uh, yeah. taking some time to uh, let me come on here and talk and yeah. tell you guys about myself and what I do. And uh, yeah, I'm just here. I'm here for everybody in the state, man. I uh, just love getting people out. That's my jam. Um, yeah. I've caught enough fish in my life, and uh, I think it's I get a lot out of watching other people succeed in the industry. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. About. That's uh, that's awesome. Good deal. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for your time to come on today. It was yeah. good to finally get you on here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it again, guys. If you have any questions about anything we talked about, probably best to hit him up. But uh, you can also hit up the Northern Hunter if you'd like. Um, uh, if you go to either of our uh, social media is if you search at the Northern Hunter. Uh, we'll, we'll show up with our logo. Uh, if you go to our website, thenorthernhunter.com, we've got a nice contact button there. Um, and if you'd like to support the show and help us grow, uh, make sure you're hitting up the shop page or the partners page and getting some good good merch or some good supplies from our, our partners with the discount codes that they've provided for you. Um, and as always, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us. Uh, leave us a rating, a review. Five stars is always best. And uh, share it with your friends. Get us, get this information out to anybody you know, maybe trying to get into ice fishing or anything we talk about on this show. I mean, just there's always a share button right there. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Maxwell, thank you once again. And uh, until next week, get out there, get after it, and good luck. See you there. Alright folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. 
They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. 